Okay, why don't we shoot? I think he's offset. I've got the slate. Hello and welcome to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers back once again. I don't want to jinx it, but this this has been the most regularly occurring run of this series, I think. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Since we started the new, yeah. the new feed. Uh, what's on the agenda for today? Sounds like another two times two's review. I think so. Yeah, we're doing yeah. another two by two review. Hopefully a, everybody's not sick of them yet. And a beer. Although I might be... After this one is over, we'll see. Oh, we yeah. We will see. Uh, but yeah, as is tradition, I guess, for the last couple of episodes, have you been watching anything else before we get into these uh, these retro reviews? I've, I went back and I started the episode that Shane passes away on Eastbound. I noticed that because you fucked up my count. My bad. <laughs> That's whatever. But I then knew I, what episode I was on. But then I watched everything after that. Okay, well, we're still midway. We're, we got three left. So okay. So don't, I mean, I know what happens. I didn't. So let's when, not talk about when it. When you finish it, we'll talk about what happened. Because I yes, was just like, talk oh. about a show that ended. Couple, what, uh, many, not a full decade ago. Almost. It was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, that's been a joy to go back through. I mentioned Definitely. that last time. Still watching some Mobile Suit Gundam as well. Waiting on my part two Blu ray to get here. So I might have to watch something in the interim. We'll see what happens. Um,. TV wise, have we talked about the Midnight Gospel at all? No. I'm about halfway through. Mm-hmm. New Netflix show, Pendleton Ward uh, of Adventure Time fame. Okay. Does all the animation for it. But uh, Duncan Trussell, who people may know from the Joe Rogan podcast, if we got any Rogan heads out there. Uh, but he's, I think he's a stand up, but he's very into psychedelics and mm-hmm. like different drug trip experiences, mind expanding, etc. Um, so the show is basically this like intergalactic traveler who basically sticks his head into like a simulator that transports him across like a multiverse of planets. So every episode's a different planet, and the setup is basically he goes there and interviews somebody for his intergalactic like radio show. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's like a podcast with du- Duncan Trussell that they then animate over top of oh, all okay. the plot. Like the first one, Drew Pensky, Doctor Drew. Uh-huh. Is the man, and they're just talking about the effects of drugs in general and like the way different people perceive them. But in the context of the show, Drew Pensky is the president of a planet that's being uh, overrun by a zombie apocalypse. So they're killing oh. zombies the whole time. Oh, but okay. they're having like a very normal, normal conversation, podcast then... conversation. But every once in a while, they'll say something that like references what's going on in the animation, or they'll react to something. Gotcha. It's very, very interesting the way it's put together. Really enjoying it so far. That's the Midnight Gospel. It's on Netflix. Shocker, they dropped it on 420. So it's fairly new. Um, But people can go check that out. Um, I would definitely recommend that one. Um, Mentioned we're already through Eastbound. Tonight is the night that Westworld ends. Don't. For good, hopefully? (laughs) No, they've already been greenlit for season four. What? It seems like they're going to get to do their full five. I know it was always originally slated to be five. So... I'll watch it, probably. But what a slog! What it a sounds slog. like it from everything Only I've heard. Eight episodes too. But wow, God, what a slog! Um, that's pretty much it on the TV front. You got any anything else you want to? I watched this. Throw at me. I got this. I watched this movie. It was a. Uh, um, we're talk- so we're talking movies. Now. I, I don't we're have more TV. TV. That's the only that's TV cool. I've watched. Okay. Um, it's what is it? It's got. 
we don't really take everything out of the dock and everything anymore. No, we don't really ship. No, the ships are already movie arc time. Yeah, we moved them out of the dock in lieu of the the virus. Just dry dock. Yeah, dry dock somewhere. Yeah, we just sit in the boat. We don't take it out. Exactly. We're like the the kids in Jaws. Michael, get out of that boat. Um, I watched this quirky little crime caper comedy called Bottle Rocket. You ever seen it? It was crazy. It was really quirky. I so felt I guess like, I can't do that as a retro review. <laughs> I mean, I did it. I mean, if you want to, if you want to retroactively say I had to, I was thinking we could make this new segment called "I Watched Wes" and like <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just I'll randomly pick a Wes Anderson movie and watch it well, for the next I mean, couple. That months. was my thought after you forced me to watch a Seth MacFarlane joint that yeah. I was gonna take some kind of revenge. But yeah, uh, but I beat so you, you to watched Bob Rock. I did watch Bob Rock. <laughs> yeah, you fucking took the gun out of the holster first i don't know i drew first yeah yeah i drew first blood <laughs> yeah what, what'd you think i have to think that the only reason why it is how it is is like owen the owen wilson of it all knowing like he wrote a good bit of it right that's he I mean, wrote, co-wrote the screen yeah i feel like i don't know who did what if one if one guy's a more dialogue heavy and the other I feel like owen wilson's the dialogue person on this and the quirky weirdness stuff just comes from Wes Anderson. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was neat. Um, I could see, like, I'm guessing what I'm going to be able to see in the future. Like, this, the the trappings and the origins of, like, some of, like, the quirkiness of, like, the characters involved. This is, I mean, I went back and watched it recently as well. Yeah. This is the least Wes Anderson movie Yeah, yeah, ever. definitely. At the same time, there's still so many hallmarks that, yeah, you'll see expanded on in the future. But this is the like the easy one to show somebody who is completely unfamiliar because it's not too far. And again, I think Tenenbaums is approachable as well. But I thought you'd enjoy the, you know, subversion of the crime. You got to keep in mind this is like a year or two after Reservoir Dogs. Right. So the idea of like this is a new small indie movie about. These guys who seem like they maybe watched Reservoir Dogs in the theater and yeah. were like, "We want to be fucking cool gangsters," but they're in the middle of Texas and they, you yeah, know, they're kind of clueless. Did you think it was charming? It was cute. I mean, Did you like that Proclaimers drop? Oh God, yes. <laughs> it's over and not with. It's, it's over. over and it's over. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That was great I'm, soundtrack. Mark mm-hmm. Mothersbaugh, who does the score for pretty much every. Yeah, Wes Anderson movie makes sense. Devo and Jimmy Khan comes in. That, he had he to love just, the Jimmy Khan. He just all. he is just like on a different level in this movie, man. Like I'm so used to like Thief and like you know Godfather. I, I want to take him <laughs> to the mattresses. Like he's just he's Sonny Corleone, but then like he he's so fucking quirky and weird. It's like training with his Asian like yeah keto master exactly. Yeah. And so he he does all that to like. Steve robs someone's house like yeah he, he sends that yeah the whole like once he meets bob and sees like oh country club and ball what you what you're thinking is like you know of course they're not they're in now they're in the game or whatever mm-hmm. and i the inversion being that like yeah he robs their house and it's like that seems like a very small time criminal enterprise for somebody to do that's literally what they're doing in the opening of the movie but he's you know a fucking professional sort of but you're still like okay maybe he's not this like you know yeah because you definitely def- not thief. you you definitely yeah he's definitely not not thief at all but also just the i know he asked him like do you want me to be there tomorrow and he's like oh i think we got it. it's like okay like that's giving him i don't know if that's like giving him the green light like oh okay well he doesn't want me to, i'm gonna pretend like i want to be there but when he like says no i think we gotta think we're good and it's like okay 
And like knowing you find out early on, like, oh no, that's the guy that like he used to work for, like landscaping and lawn yeah, work. Lawn wranglers. Lawn lawn wranglers. Yeah. Like, okay. Somebody's still gotta do the landscaping. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it, it makes a perfect front. Like you you go landscape, you fence it, you you check out a house, and then you're like, Oh, okay, we can go ahead and rob this thing this way. Like yeah. it's a perfect front. But I mean, I even in rewatching it, I love it top to bottom. It's always been one of my favorite movies. But I recognize for an average viewer, the midsection is probably hit or miss for a lot of people. Oh, no, I enjoyed like, that. The I little, love the little it, but romance. The, yeah, yeah, the, no, the that interlude was adorable. at the hotel and the romance or whatever, as I feel like where some people just kind of tune out because it's like there really is no plot no, to the movie. After whatsoever. they do the first initial robbery, it's like, and now we got to go on the lamb. And you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, did, you, did you catch the third very rarely seen Wilson brother? Where is he at? He's Future Man. He's Bob's older brother. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. He's That's also Andrew Wilson. Yeah, he's also the, whatchamacallit in Idiocracy, the one he has to fight. Yeah, he's in there. Yeah, because so. I'm like, who is that dude? Oh, shit, there is a third. I keep, I, knew there, I knew there was a third brother. And then every time I see a credit of his, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, he is the third one. Yeah. You know? Um, if you If you had to pick based on that movie. Granted, I guess each of them had done a few things prior, small roles and stuff. But if you had to pick from that movie, who's going to be the bigger brother? From that movie, I would have picked Luke mm-hmm. because I like Luke. I'll ride or die for Luke on anything. I mean, I love all of them. They're, I love them too. They're all incredibly good. Yeah. But I, can, I mean, can we say that Owen has been the bigger one since? Because I feel like everything I've seen I think Luke it's inarguable. Yeah. Pretty much. Between from a box office standpoint, from a, you know, just name recognition standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. That makes I feel sense. like some people forget, oh yeah, the, the brothers, the two brothers that look almost identical to Except each other. Except one has a, the one's fact blonde, that... One's blonde, one's brunette. Well, the, then, <laughs> then one of them get the... Owen Wilson punches Luke Wilson in the face and like talk about breaking his nose and I'm like, is that like a dig at like Owen's messed up nose? Like, is that... Yeah. I, come on, man. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that isn't. But yeah, no, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, it's not like, I'm not like, ugh, but... At the same time, I'm like, okay, I mean, there really wasn't much of a plot. It just seemed like a little quirky, like, inverted crime caper. It's hilarious. Like, the bits were hilarious in it. And I'm just like, okay, of course, everything's going to go wrong this last one. Somebody's yeah. having a heart attack. Somebody gets actually... Just the idea sh- of robbing a cold storage facility. Yeah. <laughs> you guys Mr. Little be- Jeans. Did you even have a touch to begin with? <laughs> yeah. I lost it, man. Lost it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to crack this like that. And then like robbing the robbing the bookstore with like all small bags of money like that's just yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would recommend. I'd probably give it like a solid nine out of ten. <laughs> okay. You realize a ten out of ten equals like a masterpiece essentially. So you're saying you thought it was all right, but you'd give it a nine. I mean, <laughs> you have to understand my grading scale is also like could I have it's made all this relative. It's all relative. Could I have made this? And I haven't made anything, so I gotta like I gotta take. That's a solid three so points, it's right? Nine. There. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you finally watched one mm-hmm. of your own volition. Yeah, that's good. Well, you said CBS was leaving soon. Yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do without being able to turn on CSI Miami to go to sleep. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and I found out everybody Looks like chivalry isn't dead. <laughs> we should do every sign off with like a Horatio Kane sign off from now on. Yeah. Um, and every apparently everybody's in season five. 
I don't. I took a picture. I didn't send to you. Bug Hall from the Big Green. He, oh, shit. he plays like a street racer. Is Goots in there too? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, I haven't gotten <laughs> no. But um, Ryan Hurst, babyface Ryan Hurst, like straight out of Remember the Titans, season five. And you know, I started at five because it's obviously when Evil Eva the Root becomes a, a season regular. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. You don't know anything I'm, about season? I have never CSI watched Miami? a second of any of those shows. Okay. I have thought about just because I've been on a Willie P kick recently. We'll get to him in a bit. Yeah, but I I thought about throwing on the OG just because I never watched it when it was on. I, I was like I should at least go watch that Tarantino episode. Yeah, the one that he directed, Do which that. I think is Peterson in a Box. Is that yeah, what it is? I think so. I, I'll probably but go watch that. The, one solo. the annoying doctor that I didn't like on ER ruins CSI for which me. Which one? <laughs> the female brunette one. I could not remember her name. What era? It's like she's on there right as Doctor Green is facing out. She starts. I have to find her. She's in CSI. She's like the main woman in CSI Miami. But she just bothered me for me. Right? Yeah, we got phones. But um, no, dude. I'm I'm telling you, Eva Larue, Natalie Boa Vista, the only reason to watch CSI Miami. Like you're you're kind of there's a whole Is she bunch. Callie, du, du, I can't do the last. Callie name. Duquesne. Yeah. No. That's not the. It's not the chick I'm talking about. You're not thinking it. The one you don't like, who ruins it for you? Oh no, I could not tell you her name to save my life. She's not. She's in the original CSI. I don't know what the hell her name is. Oh my god. Oh, in the oh. Okay. Yeah, she's. That's no what I'm saying. I don't. The, yeah, no. Reservation here. By the way, this is back to TV. Just for the record, Mr. CSI. Yeah, I mean, this one. She's a uh, this. She you recognize her? You have to know who she is. This this lady. She's she just oh yeah yeah she just kind of like Georgia Fox. Not spelled like the state. Right. That is that is a very unique spelling of that name. And you're saying, yeah, I guess she came in around the time Green goes out. It's been a while. Yeah. When you are. To, well, she was on there from 94 to 2009. But Oh, for, so she was there from the beginning. Yeah, but I don't know how much of a big character. I mean, I don't remember any of her arcs. Yeah, no. She was always going back and forth with Romano. And then like Kurt her. Carter had a thing for a second. For a split second. Yeah. And Carter had a thing with everybody. Let's be serious. Except for Green's ex-wife. That's true. Sorry, Green's widow. But anyway. Um, you want to just make this an ER podcast? We could. We could just go season by season. Give us. We watched the first episode and last episode. And we just it's already been done. figure out what happened yeah. in between. I can't believe anybody would want to do do like a, an episode by episode of that show. It's, it's so long. I mean, it's been on, it's on forever. Just got announced. Bonanas for Bonanza. <laughs> Bonanas for Bonanza? Yeah. They're wow. doing all 400 and something episodes, but it's um, Andy Daly, but he's in character. And then, like, Matt Gorley's in character on as well, and Maria Bamford. I haven't listened to any of it yet, but I just I just subscribed yesterday. Yeah. That's why you should. That's why Dad watches CSI Miami. Okay. Okay. Just FYI. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What you got? Anything else for me? No, that was the other big movie I watched. I I guess I've been I'm, as soon as I watched Bottle Rock and I put on Eastbound, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna have Eastbound done by the time we. I didn't know if we were gonna get together Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was like, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. I just been stuck with that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, outside of the rewatches, I haven't hit that much, but I did. I rewatched Neighbors. Only seen it once prior. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. And then I watched for the first time Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, uh-huh. which I thoroughly enjoyed. It was very good. And I'm looking forward to a potential third one at yeah. some point. What do I you do, though? Where does the third one go? They did a short that was Neighbors versus Zombies, 
that could work. It was like three minutes, but I would watch that. I, yeah, I'd watch that all day. I didn't even think about that. That's dope. But no, I, I genuinely was surprised with like how they subverted things. And then going back and watching the first one again, I was like, I forgot how like reverential it is towards the frat guys. Like they're not a bunch of broed out douchebags. No, they're all really good. They're like, all really likable. Like and like when Franco's like, you know, we have amazing computers, have amazing facilities. He does the he does the three D print his yeah. own dick. Oh, yeah. We're having a Robert De Niro party. Like that's not even De Niro. <laughs> You're not even do the the. The what, Gerard Carmichael, I think is his name, dressed up as Sam Jackson yeah, from like, Jackie Brown and starts doing the Ezekiel speech. It's like that's, that's not even the Robert Jackson. Yeah, yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, pretty probably gonna go pretty oh, fucking late. Wow, that's 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 Pacino. Yeah, <laughs> and I, Roseburn is said hilarious. It, I said it before I will say it again. I talked so much shit about her for so long, mm-hmm. and the second she started like. Bridesmaids, Get Into the Greek, these two movies. She is a killer in the comedy realm. Oh, yeah. And more importantly, when using her natural accent. Yes. She's incredible. Right. But all I saw her in was these dramas for the first, like, five years of her career Mm -hmm. where she just, like, the accent wasn't great. And I felt like there was a disconnect between it was, like, I just, she she killed things for me. Like, 28 Weeks Later, I've mentioned before, where it's, like, she kind of takes the takes the steam off of that one i don't know but over the years i like now if i see that she's going to be in a comedy i get like legit yeah no she's hilarious yeah, no, she's great so, i did love in the second to go back to. the second one where it's like yeah man i can't believe like you came out to him like they make little franco which i want to say this real quick maybe i'm the only one that's thinking this it's a visual thing so get it bear with me if they did like a, a movie about um Monty Cliff's life. Do you think young Franco I'm could sure play? He's played and where Franco has played Montgomery Cliff, and like because you know Franco makes like a billion movies. Yeah, he's directed like, like 50 Dave movies more than heard. James. I feel like Dave Franco just he just I has a Monty Cliff. Up, I'm pretty sure he's maybe I'm and maybe I saw that and I just played. it's been played it in the back of my mind. But like I just feel like he he to me is like I know it's all Efron and all that, but like him he. His character in the first one and, like, the arc of, like, you know, man, come on, Teddy, this and that. Like, he's there to learn, there to go to school. Like, dude, this is bullshit. Like, I'm going to go to school. Yeah. Whatnot. And the fact that they end it with, like, Teddy's like, I'm just going to be, like, an Abercrombie model. I'm just going to stand there with my shirt off. Yeah. And that's what he does. And the way they bring it into the fold in the second one and then, like, they all the girls kind of turn on him. No, his transition, like, I feel like that's, be, it's kind of weird and not really that weird, but in the 80s. Those guys were always the villains, essentially. Yes. But now the way, the go-to, if you look at movies like this and like 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, is you take the extremely athletic, gorgeous Adonis of a man or whatever, but you make him like either super dumb or really insecure or both at the same time. And that whole element of Efron just like kind of slowly, that's why I actually prefer him in the second one. And I think it's one of the better comedy sequels recently. Is him kind of coming to terms with like what his life is at that point, but of course it came out last year, Zeroville. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together, yeah, and I which just, apparently I was, is not very good. Oh yeah, I mean I just thought about it the other day, and I yeah. thought like I was having a revolutionary, a, re- a revelatory thought, but I realized probably somebody else has already put two and two together. That kid looks just like him, yeah. um, but even after the accident, um, so 
Yeah, no, I loved, but the the bit about coming out, Gerard Carmichael was like, "Me, sometimes you got to suck a dick to realize you don't like sucking dick." I was, I remember watching that in theaters, being, I was, you've never been to a, I don't think you've ever been to a comedy with me. We don't, I don't think we've ever seen anything Not comedic. Really. You, I mean, we we've seen things that are comedic. Yeah, Bad but like Boys for Life comes to mind. So what? I said Bad Boys for Life earlier this oh, year yes. comes to mind, but like something tons that's of laugh out loud. Yeah, moments. but like in a comedy like that, I'm been told like I ruin it for people. Because I'm, I can't control myself in the theater. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like I'm not talking, I'm not texting. I'm like having a fucking blast. Like apparently I ruined Jackass three for a few people and Neighbors two in theaters because I I couldn't stop laughing. It was fucking hilarious. So hopefully there's. I mean, who it's knows? good. I mean, again, I had seen the first one and I was like, it's good. It's about as good as I remembered it. But the second one was fresh and I was like, I laughed consistently yeah. through the whole thing. Like, do a third one. Please. Please do a third. Yeah, any <laughs> under any circumstance. And do it a third. Let's get a third. Let's get twenty three Jump Street. Oh, dude, I went Please. back and watched twenty two. Just the ending where they count through. Y'all motherfuckers is going to med school. Do you remember when it was teased that? I think this was a legit thing at one point, but it was going the next Men in Black movie and the next Twenty One Jump Street movie were going to be fused together. Essentially, I remember it was going this. to be you know yeah Schmidt and. Janko. Janko. Excuse me. Uh, Yeah, meeting up with, I guess, I don't know if it was going to be J and K and they were going to try and get them back in or if it was going to be Hemsworth Hemsworth and um, Tessa Thompson. Yeah. But I'm saying, in retrospect, don't you think that they wish they had fucking pulled the trigger on that after Men in Black International completely came and went and disappeared and nobody cared? That would have been fun. I, I like it's like it's I said, not too late, guys. I went back and, and and just checked out the end credits of Twenty Two Jump Street where they go through all the different and like where yeah. they they cut and I think it Rogan comes in at one point and then it's like what what, what contract, contract dispute he yeah. comes back and then they go to get Richard Grieco to come back or whatever. You're a legend, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks, man. It's like uh, brilliant. It's it's great. It's I'm great just stuff. trying to think of other things that you could bring back. That well, I mean. They, that deserves no, no no things that like mid mid to twenty tens that like could totally have a third or another sequel to that I think. Were oh hilarious. okay, I thought you were going know. the route of like the self aware yeah. remake of a TV show, which they immediately tried to do again with Baywatch. And yeah. I, I never watched Baywatch. Mayfield, huge proponent for that movie. Like he, oh he you, it's great. Wait, are you saying they tried to make Baywatch a series again? Or they no, took the I'm series and made it... They took the I enjoyed con- the shit out of the, the movie. the concept of 21, 22 Jump Street. Dude, something you and Mayfield agree on? Holy yeah. shit. We gotta get you guys to do a Baywatch pod. We should. I mean, and you it, and I still need to go back and do I that. I mean, if he wants to watch all Baywatch the series pod. ones, dude. I mean, I'm telling you, that for, that that TV movie of a of a season premiere, it's like two hours long. Yeah. What's your, uh, our girls in it? Some people stand in the darkness. Afraid to step into light. <laughs> we don't have to do the whole thing. Okay. All right, it's good. I've All right. got, <laughs> um, yeah, what else you got for rewatches? And we'll get uh, into these uh, reviews. I've literally got. I don't think I've watched. Oh, oh, excuse me. I just squeezed in a little, you know, squeezed in a little before trilogy over the last two days. What? Have you seen any of the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset? Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw them as they came, came out. Yeah. I didn't watch you them. You did see them as they came out? The because before sunset, when's the sunrise is the first one, sunset's nine years later, midnight's nine years later. Yes, I didn't see the most recent one, the first two. I didn't, I didn't. That's what I was gonna say. 
I had seen the first two, mm-hmm. but I never saw Midnight when it came out, mm-hmm. mainly because I heard, hey, shit gets real. <laughs> and I was like, I fucking love these characters so much. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like, I don't want to have that experience. And I was dreading it basically. And literally I watched one and two back to back two nights ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like debating on literally watching three right then. And I was like, no, nah. don't do like, it. Cause if I go out on it, I don't. And before sunset ends on like one of the best notes ever. Absolutely love it. That is one of the best 80 minute movies ever. Mm-hmm. Hour and 20 minutes. Wouldn't change a thing about it. But I did watch Midnight finally. And I'm so fucking glad I did because it's amazing. Yes, shit gets real, but it is not. It does not leave it on the ambiguous downer note that I was dreading. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. I mean, there is some ambiguity to it, but it's just uh, fucking pitch perfect. It, it's the, literally. You kind of want to say they get better as they go along, but they're all amazing. And like the way that one informs two and then two informs three is just like they're inseparable from each other as a total package masterpiece status. Those three movies. I'm going to go back and watch them again. Probably like next week. I forgot how much just the fucking dialogue is incredible. Mm-hmm. Some of those naturalist performances and doesn't get shouted out a lot because it's not that showy about it. It had that entire franchise has like some of the best oneers in the history of movies, where it's like, oh yeah, they've been talking for fifteen minutes and we haven't cut once, and like they didn't fumble any lines, and Mm-mm. all the extras, if they're even actual extras, all perfect, you know, everything was calculated perfectly. Gorgeous cinematography, great for right now to just like if you're in fucking lockdown, you want to go spend time in fucking Vienna in the first one. Paris in the second yeah. one and Greece in the third. Oh my god, absolutely! And like, I had this revelation while I was watching it. Julie Delpy like exists in my mind. It's just she's always she's a huge name right. in my head at least. Yeah, me too. And I had to like kind of reframe it in my brain. I was like, what did I know her for? Like, she's in the Three Colors trilogy and stuff, which I've never seen those movies. That was her like big kind of coming out party, I guess. And then Before Sunrise, but. I realize what it is, dude. American Werewolf in Paris. A hundred percent. Yes. And I'm like, what a terrible thing that like, <laughs> that is why I think she's like incredible. Is yeah. this fucking terrible, terrible piece of shit, shit movie. Yeah. But that trailer where she, she undresses and like simultaneously it, turns it, it into a where is yeah. that was ingrained. That was ingrained in my brain for like years before I even saw that movie. I remember the trailer for it mm-hmm. when I was too young to see it and being like, what is going on here? And then when I finally did, I was like, well, what? This is... It's not even fun. No. Like, the first one is a horror comedy, and then they tried to make basically, like, a... They, that one's lost in that weird era of, like, it's post-scream. Yes. And so they're like, what's gonna work? Fucking werewolves. Cool new take on werewolves. I think Cursed I bare, did it right, barely, though. Yeah. I mean, I just... Anytime you can get Joshua Jackson as, as a on screen in a movie in a lead, I, I'll go for it. But We've, young Jesse Eisenberg, Christina Ricci, it's great. Yeah, it's lost in that mid-90s, like, here's a property that we could probably do a sequel to, something that exists. Let's try and pull, like, from that. Maybe we'll get that crowd, and, like, maybe now they're, like, they're old enough to, like, their kids are old enough to watch it, too. So, like, let's do that. And we don't really care about who's writing or directing. It's probably somebody who owes somebody a favor. I just feel like that one in particular, if they had, it's also past the point of no return, essentially, with visual effects, and it's like... Oh, we're doing a fucking computer, man. Yeah, we're not good. Like, 
and somebody Stan Winston. Yeah, yeah, somebody's queuing up Windows ninety five to like make these. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was just like she. Again, in my head, giant star, huge celebrity. She's been integral to like indie movies in particular for like decades now. But that was why I knew her mm-hmm. as a kid. Yep. So weird, just mainly from that trailer. Okay, that's that's it. Yeah, we're about half hour into the cast. You ready to start some fucking two by two? Uh, I mean, we can. I'm pretty sure it's going to be twenty minutes on the first one and like another hour on the second one. But all right, we'll, let's roll. We'll see what happens. I'm interested in your take on something. That I know you've never seen. That's the only reason I gave it to you. Okay. If That's I had, the only reason. Trust me. If I had Lockout, I would have given you Lockout, but I don't know where I put it, so i got to find it. I've been searching, but I don't have it yet. Figure that out. Yeah. All right. Uh, without further ado, it's time for 2x2 two two Retro Reviews, and we're kicking things off right now with 2014's A Million Ways to Die in the West. I was going to make a joke. Fuck. Make the joke. <laughs> we're starting with Westworld Season 3, and then I was going to be like, uh, wait. Eight million ways to die. The <laughs> Jeff Bridges movie. <laughs> yeah, this is a million ways to die in the West, and this is the Red Band trailer for you <laughs> listeners with sensitive fucking ears. <laughs> oh, hey, look, it's the ice. Why is it so big? So it doesn't melt. It's actually really interesting how they do it. It's this one company out in Boston that. <laughs> oh, oh, that went south so fast. The American West is a terrible place in time. Everything out here that's not you wants to kill you. Angry drunk people, hungry animals, outlaws. The fucking doctor. I couldn't save her. She had a splinter. Doc, what the hell were you supposed to do? I would like to welcome a new member to our community. Welcome to our awesome town. What's with this fair? Every year, people die. Really? Everybody hold still. People die at the fair. People die at the fair. Somebody in this town is going to die. Oh my God, somebody's gonna get fucked up. Please don't shoot us on sex night. You beat this guy at a gunfight, you're gonna be a real hero. He's the most vicious gunfighter in the territory. I'm gonna teach you how to shoot. I just broke up with her. Quick, just pretend you're my girlfriend. I'm his girlfriend. A lot of sexual activity. All the time. It's I I live inside her. So if you want to send me a letter, you got to address it care of her vagina. Yep. Aim up. Get ready. I'm about to shoot a full load at your can. Shut the fuck up. Oh, hey. This one man wanted me to smoke a cigar and then like ash on his balls while I'm jerking him off and it was just like, what? Can I do this? But I did. Wow. See, your job is so interesting because no two days are alike. I know you're here, Stark. What do you say I steal a bottle of whiskey and we hit the road? I love that idea. Your dick's out. Oh! A million ways to die in 
the West. Maybe the frontier's not so bad after all. Hey! It's a sweet young couple. Can I interest you folks in a miracle cure? <laughs> Holy shit! Okay, I think that trailer was almost as long as this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Um, as I mentioned in the last cast, this has been, it's been one of our running jokes that I haven't seen this. You've shown me clips of it. I've, I've watched them with you. You've laughed hysterically I, when you've watched I've it. chuckled. Yeah, well. I've chuckled. Yeah. Um, and so I try, I try to keep an open mind. I even got like I got Veronica excited about this one. I was like, "Hey, it's, like, it's a comedy. I've never seen it. Gavin loves it. Like, you want to check this out with me?" She's like, "All right." How long did she make it? Oh, she watched the whole. I mean, she was present for the whole thing. I don't know if she was engaged or watching the mm-hmm. whole thing. How long did you make it? I watched the. Uh, hey, I take my duties very seriously. Okay, good. That's <laughs> two by two retro reviews. Is sacred. Okay, good. Right? And so don't come in here with any like to live and die in um uh um where <laughs> don't, to, don't to live and die in Louisiana? Yeah. What? No, yeah, no. Um, I fucking I loved. I, we'll get yeah, to okay. It. We'll get sorry. <laughs> we'll fucking get to it. Okay. So and another hallmark of this network, I we don't usually go out of our way to like bash on anything or like shit on if it's like if we didn't care for it we kind of politely just move the fuck on Mm -hmm. with whatever we're talking about so i was determined with like i can't come in here and just be like dude didn't work for me segment over okay so i was i was really trying to reckon with why a million ways to die in the west does not really work for me Mm -hmm. at all yeah paramount is that fucking runtime. This movie is way too long. Now, from what I understand, the DVD you gave me, that's the theatrical cut? I don't think so. I think that's the unrated cut. I don't think it's what I'm, I want. I don't know. We'll look at the box together. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure, because, excuse me, let me just check the runtime right here. Hour 56. Yeah. Is what I what I watched. So Right. Yeah, hour 56 for the theatrical okay. cut. Yeah. So I wasn't watching the extended cut or anything like that. Okay. Wouldn't be opposed to possibly checking it out at some point, but I don't see how a bunch of other gags shoved into the midst of this would like make me like it all that much more. I don't know if I've ever seen the full-on unrated whatever either, so I I don't know. So the runtime's a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Just, and I hesitate. I don't even consider this a high concept comedy, but most high concept comedies, I feel like you need to be in and out and like an like 90 minutes right. roughly i mean we went through a whole almost a decade-long stretch of everybody i mean they made tons of money but everybody commenting on the fact that like these apatow movies are just too fucking long man they're two hours or whatever now the length never bothered me in those because one thing and this relates to part of my issues with million ways to die in the west those movies have characters that i care about and like interesting dynamics between them and like the comedy is there consistently but like you get attached to the people you care about them a little bit and that at the end of the day is my biggest barrier to entry with this is seth mcfarlane playing the lead role Mm -hmm. i do not like maybe we should contextualize it for people he's coming off of what I believe at the time was the highest grossing comedy of all time. Am I incorrect? 
I would I thought al- Ted was yeah. I'm almost positive it went the hangover set the new record. Right. The first one when that came out. And then I think we didn't have another contender until Ted, which is over five hundred million dollars international. Huge hit on a forty million dollar budget. So totally makes sense that he's got free reign. Carte Blanche to do whatever the fuck he wants next. Right. I I don't know like what I would love to talk to him about mm-hmm. what he was so passionate about in terms of like I want to make a comedic western like we we don't have enough of those I understand the instinct I understand like maybe you're a fan of Blazing Saddles and you're yeah. like why don't they make them like that anymore well this movie is not that no of course all. not but it's not even a modern equivalent to me because so much of the the actual story and like kind of character arc narrative has been done to death yeah. in so many other things. And that's what I think I ultimately started to butt up against is the basic conceit to me should be, there needs to be a higher concept here. Like it needs to open with him in present day. And he's a dude who like is scared of everything or like doesn't, doesn't like this version of masculinity that like dominates society or whatever in his eye or whatever. And then he's somehow whisked back to the most dangerous time in American history. Yeah. Just like the, the bit with, um, Christopher Lloyd. What are you doing in here? We'll get to that (laughs) in a little bit. Ted is an extremely high concept movie. It's about a fucking bear that comes to life based on a magical wish on of a child. And you just, you just go with it. Yeah, it's like big and something else wrapped into one. And that's, I, I was sitting here this whole time and I'm like, the way that he's approaching all this material and the kind of, the running joke of, well, everybody just kind of talks like it's fucking 2014. Mm-hmm. Isn't that hilarious in this Western setting? I thought it would be way funnier if like everybody else is playing it straight, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Or an absurd version of straight. Right. But he's the one guy who has the, like, not to take it to Blazing Saddles territory, because I really don't think those two movies should ever be mentioned in the same breath, personally. Okay. But Blazing Saddles is about something. For all the dick and fart jokes in it, all the crude, like, the humor that you could not get away with now, it has something to say at the end of the day. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Part of it's metatextual, like movie within a movie. Look at the Hollywood studio system. We've got Jews playing Indians. We've got the black lead subverting like all of the normal hero aspects. Like all of that stuff is fantastic. It's subversive. It is borderline genius. Holds up to this day. Right. He doesn't do any of that. There is no. Where's the satire? Yeah. Where is the fun with genre conventions? Because I never felt it. It looks like a classic Western to a certain extent. I mean, albeit a huge Hollywood glossy version of it. Right. But the way the vistas are photographed, like the the horseplay, if you will, <laughs> like all of that stuff, it, it works. But it, it felt tonally confused for me the whole time because it felt like they wanted me to like care about his character and his, you know. Oh, my girlfriend doesn't think I'm manly enough, so she left me for fucking Neil Patrick Harris. Great joke in and of itself. Maybe not with the, the mustache of the movie. Dude, the mustache fucking song. Way he thinks it's so much funnier than it actually is. He goes back to it like three times. Three times, man. Anyways. 
I, I could never get that invested in like, oh man, your girl, like, does, it's like, dude, fucking Charlize Theron is right here. Like, yeah. why are you still hung up on Amanda Seyfried? And it's just like, because that's what the narrative demands is that he eventually realizes like, oh, I've had this great girl here all along and I totally missed it. And I'm like, I've seen that so many times, mm-hmm. but he is such a cynical bastard. I'm talking <laughs> Seth MacFarlane, the individual Yeah, that I can't. I can't trust him or put any emotional weight into I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Any moment where he's like basically wanting me to feel bad for the character kind of getting like screwed over by the context of his circumstances, I just I just have a hard time like latching on to the character at all, which is not like paramount in a comedy. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But the movie felt like it wanted me to go there. It felt like it wanted to like have the heart, which Ted does in a weird fucked up kind of way, but yeah. like it manages to bring some of that into it. And this just, it felt so false and like disingenuous to me. I don't know how else to describe it. To me, you keep this exact same screenplay in place. Mm-hmm. You could even keep most of the principal actors, except you swap McFarlane out with like Michael Sarah or something. A meek individual, the exact opposite of what you think of as like a masculine hero or whatever. You underplay it. You cast us with an actual, like, a nerd, if you will. Yeah. Not somebody who's affecting the, like, oh, I'm just a normal guy or whatever. And there's all this machismo around me. And, like, but, like, it just, to me, it, play, it would play better if he was not at the center of it. Or if he was at the center of it playing a very broad character with an accent or something. Right. I think it's literally... It's just him. Mm -hmm. And I don't inherently dislike him. I think he's charming in interviews and stuff like that. But I also, like, so much of this is tied in with, like, he's put out albums and shit. But, like, I think of his preferred era as, like, doesn't this dude fucking dig on, like, 30s and 40s musicals and, like, Mm -hmm. film noir probably? Why not make a film noir satire? Yeah, When's the last time we got one of those? That's the, I, I, I don't know trying to think of one but that i guess that's where it kind of came from so i was like where was the oh, i've got this burning like i've always wanted to do a western like that's your second thing out of the gate now granted he has family guy he's establishes i mean yeah of course but just that this was like the next thing the i can do anything this is the movie i want to make was a little bit lost on me i cannot believe i did almost 10 minutes straight yeah on this movie now, let's talk about what works in it. Okay. Because it's, it's not without its redeeming values, but I, can't, I could count on my one hand the things that genuinely had me dying. Okay, what are they? One was the clip you had already showed me multiple <laughs> times, which is absolutely hysterical. It's the funniest moment in the whole fucking movie, and it has nothing to do with any of our principal actors. Mm-hmm. It's fucking Ralph Garman, who I adore, hashtag Garmy Strong. Okay, and it's the whole like, how about we put some real money on it? But a whole dollar? <gasps> no one's ever seen a dollar. Seen a dollar bill. Take your hand off. Take your hand off, boy. That's a dollar bill. Yeah, great stuff. All the crowd reactions. Uh, like, what about building? Haskins was fine. No, it I was... mean just getting tore apart by the bull. Fucking... No, I mean yeah, that's another thing. The physical comedy, for the most part. The ice thing, which is in the trailer, I already knew, like, the bit itself is funny. I I honestly, I wanted more of that. 
Yeah. I wanted more ridiculous over-the-top violence or whatever. Just, like, make this a legit dangerous environment. People are just... Like I, a I Buster Scruggs. Every two seconds. I mean, if you... Again, another movie that should not be mentioned in the same breath. No, I'm this. saying if just in terms about, of, like, the violence how like light and like he's the singing cowboy and then it gets really fucking dark with the violence like like that yeah that works i can see that well and i mean superior film in many ways but that to me that's what i thought you were gearing me up for Mm -hmm. when we were talking you know we just did the great silence one of the greatest spaghetti westerns of all time we mentioned blazing saddles you bring this up and so I, I was kind of initially trying to look at it through a lens of like okay what is he subverting about the genre tropes that we know. Right. What is he having fun with? What is he satirizing? And it's not really anything. It really feels like just the the set dressing, the window dressing for what's a pretty conventional narrative that we've heard. Like, this could have been a guy in modern day, like, who has to get tougher and the chick that teaches him to be tougher, he ends up falling in love with. You yeah. know? It, it's been done before. And that's where I was just like, you got this. You got a great setting. You got great photography going on. Where's the like? Where's the oomph to it? I don't know. And it just kind of meanders along for two hours. I don't. I don't understand how it's that long to begin with. the The girlfriend character, Amanda Seyfried, is like ba- paper thin, barely set up. Not even really given anything funny to do at all. Hmm. Charlize Theron is never bad in anything, so I enjoyed seeing her in this. The most criminal act in this entire movie, though... Bringing Jamie Foxx in at the end? No. Is fucking casting Liam Neeson as your villain and basically having him play it straight the whole time. What is fun about that? Like, where there's not a moment of humor with that character. Yeah. Of playing with the tropes of, like... He's this big macho, macho badass dude. Like, let's other than see. the flower in the butt, that's it. Yeah, but which is a reference to another movie. Yeah, and like I saw, dude, when he does the searcher shot, and I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding?" Me? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and the idea that like IMDb trivia is like this is a reference to John Ford's The Searchers. I was like, "Yeah, fucking a, I know it is." Everybody what the fuck is it doing in this movie? <laughs> um. But, okay, back to the physical comedy. But I wanted more of that. Like, if it truly is the most dangerous environment, just fucking have sight gags all over the place in the background. Just people dying left and right. It would have been It would have been something. You want, like, a, a literal million different ways. You want sure. to see that. Keep a tally. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, have fun with it. I don't know. Rabisi. <laughs> oh Rabisi and Silverman. The core of this gag, I do really like. Okay? She's a prostitute in the Old West. She's banging... Upwards of like 15, 20 dudes a day. But she's a Christian and she's saving herself for marriage. So her and BC cannot have sex. Great could see. I love the setup and everything. It's so ridiculous. But it's also one of those things that I feel like they, as Family Guy has a tendency to do, they hit it maybe just one too many times. It's like the fucking people don't smile in photographs joke that they keep going back to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it was mildly funny the first time. A little less so the second time, but it never gets to that repetition that Family Guy does where it's like, yeah, we're going to do something 30 times in a row and you're going to fucking hate it for the whole middle 20, but you're going to come back around on it. <laughs> like, I was waiting for one of those jokes. Yeah. It was just like, 
Let's fucking repeat yeah. it. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. None of that ever really came. I just, I want, I wanted to to be laughing consistently throughout, it. and I thought the laughs were very, for me personally, they're very hard to come by. Okay, again, I love the dollar bill. I like the Back to the Future reference. That was to okay. Me. That was, but I, I had to read this to you if you didn't read it already. Did you do IMDb trivia for this? Yes. Show? Okay. Well, I'm gonna read it. But you for can go ahead and read it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <clears throat> Dr. Emmett Brown, portrayed by Christopher Lloyd, appears in a scene where he's covering up his famed time machine. He even mentions that it's a weather experiment, which is a cover used several times in the Back to Future trilogy for his time travel adventures. Despite all this, his appearance is geographically incorrect, as he would have been fixing the time machine in Hill Valley, which is in the Back to the Future trilogy, is located in California. While they write out a million. That's really weird. It's actually 10,000, the way you guys wrote it. A Million Ways to Die in the West takes place in Old Stump, Arizona. In addition, his appearance is incorrect to the timeline of Back to the Future trilogy because Doc Brown was transported back to 1885, which would make it exactly 100 years before the original Back to the Future film's release. A Million Ways to Die in the West states in the beginning that it's set in 1882. (laughs) That's my favorite part. I knew someone would do this. I can't even see who it's credited to, but I love the idea of somebody watching this and like Like, initially uh -uh. getting excited by like, oh, cool, Doc Brown, like, oh, cool. Then they leave the theater and the more they think about it, like, fuck this shit. (laughs) You're just getting extremely pissed off. Yeah. Enough to write that Or in the theater just being like, false, false. They're like writing it on their phone in the theater as they're watching it. Yeah. So, but even as I'm watching that, I was like. Oh, this is just literally because you like Back to the Future and you wanted to shoehorn a reference in here. Now, I do appreciate, when's the last time you saw 3 get any play exactly. anywhere? Exactly. I, I, I liked it for that. But it also fits into the Family Guy category of just like, hey, pull fucking references that nobody's going to think of and they seem pretty pretty clever. Um, I like that the, the last great joke for me is Gilbert Godfrey is Abraham Lincoln hysterical i could have watched that for fucking (laughs) two hours um but everything else being quite honest kind of faded to the back of my mind there when they do of it i haven't even really told the plot to anybody but basically band of outlaws roll into town liam neeson's wife is Charlize theron she's been married since she was nine i like that detail (laughs) um but she basically they why are they kind of infiltrating the town or she, they're she gonna ran rob, off from them? They're going to rob the town, but like one of them get, one of his men gets like caught in jail beforehand. So she's kind of like, what's it's the shithead from Jarhead. I like that guy. It's the, it's Cheddar, it's Cheddar Bob that shoots himself in the, he shoots himself with the, in eight mile. It's the same dude. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Evan Jones. Yeah. Cause it's a very normal name. Yeah. But yeah, no, I always think of him in Jarhead as the he's the Ahab and Arab guy. Yeah, the one that's digging it like he's gonna take so, him a skeleton home. So creepy. Yeah, dude. So that's, fucking yeah. creepy. Okay. Um another movie that does not get talked about like at all anymore. I don't know why. We saw that in theaters together. We you did. snuck me into that. I did because I was thirteen. <laughs> right. Yeah. We committed a felony to uh I was so amped for it though from that first trailer. I was yeah. like, We're seeing this, right? The good old days when we could just Wander straight in there and nobody said a word. Yeah. Um, Thanks a lot, John Holmes. Yeah. Jonathan Holmes. Asshole. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Oh, okay. So they roll. They're in town. No, and yeah, it's it's your class. It's you know she tra- she trained Seth MacFarlane to be a little bit more badass. You have Rabisi and Silverman. Those are really the only other characters. You have his crazy mother and father, whatever. Neeson eventually shows back up. They have a showdown, and he uses his wits to defeat him. I did like that. He uses the snake bite venom. Uh, we didn't even talk about the, the. We didn't even talk about West Studi disgracing himself. <laughs> 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 The the Indian scene, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna do one to begin with, you're going up against Blazing Saddles. So a don't do it in the first place. You're drawing way too many direct comparisons. But the, his name is Cochise. Yes, come on. Yeah, like and the Milakunas, Milakunas, like whatever the drug trip. So self-indulgent and not funny at all. Yeah. I'm sorry. You compare that to the 21 and 22 Jump Street sequences. Whatever, man. I just... So, yeah. He goes out in the desert. Eventually, you get the the snake bite stuff. He dips the the bullet in snake bite venom, shoots Liam Neeson, grazes him, but it's enough to kill him. Yeah. Also, he has a showdown midway through with Neil Patrick Harris where he's been poisoned and shits his <laughs> shits two full hats in front of everybody. I guess that's the family guy bit. The, yeah. Like how long is this going to go on? Yeah. Bit? That's the one that it just keeps going and going yeah. him fighting um, the person for the hat. And I'm just like, no. And no, then it's the finale, which you had already showed me as well. Excuse me, not the finale, but the post credit scene, which yes. you had already showed me. And I found very funny. And I didn't realize when I'm watching the movie, they introduced like, yeah, come shoot the runaway slaves or whatever. It's like, okay, that's a little like, are you having? Are you gonna say anything about it? Basically, right. like you're you're referencing something here, but are you gonna do anything with it? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think he did. And come to find out, also found this in specious IMDb bullshit. Apparently, that final scene was not in there. It tested so the whole shooting runaway slave machine or whatever tested so poorly with audiences that were upset by it that they added in jamie fox coming in to shoot the proprietor (laughs) and also end the entire movie with now give me one of them white women (laughs) like to even the scales i guess (laughs) yeah that felt a little gross to me where i was like okay so you got like this wasn't even like a cool fun like django reference you guys had planned out this was like oh shit we need some black cred can somebody get jamie fox to come over here and do a cameo like that felt a little weird to me but anyways i mean i appreciate your honest opinion I, 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 I try, just, i'm trying to give you give you reasons here no, i don't want to just come no, in and be like could, this is stupid because I, I i you see, could you could have like, though it's fine but i i saw a lot of areas where i was like i see what could have worked here yeah but i also think it's very telling that right after this movie which does considerably less than dead. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a flop necessarily. I think it ends up doubling its budget yeah. worldwide. Totally fine. But I think it's very telling that he immediately goes back to Ted 2. Yeah. Also I... to diminishing returns and then has stepped out of the fucking game since. He has the Orville, which mm-hmm. I've never watched an episode of. I was going to ask you, do you watch the Orville? I have no... Because you're a huge Family Guy fan, and I didn't know if you... Like, he's oh, the draw, or... Well, well, I'm not, like, a huge Family Guy fan. I'm just, like, I'm on that scale yeah. as opposed to, like, South Park and stuff. Yeah. But, again, 
I know that show is more ensemble, but he's the lead in it, and that's one of those where I'm like, well, maybe he turns, you know, turns on a different style or whatever. Maybe he would be okay in that. But I think it's very telling that he has just like kind of stayed in the television realm, and he's like, I got my my Star Trek show. I've always wanted to do. That's it. But I really, I think this guy's got a like a, a film noir satire in him. Yeah, I definitely think so. Or something of that era. All the just bits take, that make they've done a, in Family Guy, yeah. making with noir stuff. I think they could. The thing with him, and I've said it before, and it's the same thing with a few of the celebrities, I can just appreciate someone who, through sheer randomized luck of it all, is still here and decided, I'm I'm just going to do what I want to do, and if it, if it pisses people off, I don't care, because I'm supposed to be dead. I'm not supposed to be here, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can appreciate that about... People who've who've gone through that and, and have gone because I mean there's plenty of people who just like let that cripple them and that's there that's it. But there's plenty of people who, you know, as much as people don't want to talk about him and like kind of whatever. Kanye West has openly said I probably should have died in the car wreck I was in, but luckily I didn't. Now that I'm here, I'm on borrowed time. Like I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. So same thing with McFarlane and the 9/11 flight. Like he's not supposed to be. He thinks he's supposed to be here. The fact that you had this um, big-ass, giant hit with a talking bear that smokes weed with Marky Mark, all that, and the next thing they ask you to do, you don't immediately run and do the sequel to that to try and, like, get that back out there. You do something that's a passionate thing to you, regardless of what it is, where it comes from, what it does. I can appreciate that on its own merit of just like, hey, probably everybody expected me to do Ted 2. I'll probably get there eventually, but I want to make this because I just want to. I've got carte blanche with the budget. I got Kate Blanchett with the budget, whatever you want to call it, and I go make it. Yeah, there's some funny bits in it. It's not. I wouldn't hold it up as like an example of like I had to do anything. I also think if you trim the fat a little bit, exactly, though, that it would play better, and those bits that are solid would stand out a little bit more. And I wouldn't be sitting there going like I haven't laughed in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. like. I, I think you could honestly do a re-edit of this, maybe incorporate some of the extended material, and, like, you can get a decent, like, 80-minute comedy out of this. Exactly. Because uh, it's just, it's bloated without really any, like, if it was if it was bloated in two hours or whatever, but it was telling this kind of grand sweeping tale or, like, had more characters that I gave a shit about and was not your average run-in-the-mill story we've seen a hundred times... Then I maybe would be more engaged with it, but to me, it just it did not earn the runtime. That's hard enough for dramas to do, mm-hmm. but much less comedies where it's like the pacing is like ninety percent of it. Yeah, you know, you the need joke to be... is the joke, but if it's not timed correctly, like it yeah. doesn't, it falls completely flat. And for me, there's just way too many moments in this movie where it fell completely flat. Now, again, I chuckled here and there. There was bits that I liked. There are bits, honestly, that like if you showed me a little one-minute clip in isolation, I would probably continue to enjoy. But given the kind of like, to this point, I can't name you another like Western comedy of any note prior to Blazing Saddles. And now I can name you Bust- Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is also multi-genre. It's like two hours and ten minutes, and it's telling six different stories. Right. So you're never bored, basically. Mm-hmm. But... I, I see the instinct of like, hey, there's a there's a hole here. Like nobody's done this in a while. There's there there might be something to this. But then the it was like they had a great setup idea of like, hey, comedy in the West, and it never really got further than that. Right. 
And yeah, so I would like some more genre subversion, more playful stuff. One other little bit that I really liked, and I was like, why have I never seen this in a Western before? When he hides amongst the sheep. <laughs> I actually really dug that. Yeah. And then a sheep pisses on his face, and that was a little over the top for me. <laughs> little, yeah. Seeing the sheep's dick yeah. literally <laughs> urinate on him. It was a little much. A little bit. But um, but in theory, I was like, I like the idea of like hiding in the midst of the sheep. It's pretty fucking cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then that, that moment passed, and I was like, all right, now we're back to this movie. Uh, yeah, so that was a million ways to die in the West. All of that said, I'm at like a straight up five out of ten. A mediocre in every way, shape, and form to me. It never elevated beyond its like core premise. And uh, like, I'm not going to turn this on again of my own volition. And I got to be honest, if it's one that I'm like flipping past on TV, I don't know that I'm going to stop unless it's very close to the dollar bill scene, which is fucking <laughs> <Fun>. hysterical. <laughs> You should okay. just play that clip. You should just play that shit as like the either like as the outro, maybe, or just play it as the I don't know. Play that instead of the trailer, I guess. I don't know. I'm gonna cut down the trailer or a cut bit. down the trailer I'm or cut play out the the bit with the Native Americans because you have no idea what the fuck they're saying. Exactly. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Are we done? All right. Mm-hmm. That was a million ways to die in the West. Now we're going back to '85. This is one of those cases where there is an incredible trailer for this movie, which is almost entirely visual. So you know what we're going to do right now? Just going to play a little Wang Chung? We're going to fucking Wang Chung. To live and die in LA. Now I talked quite a bit for yeah. the last movie. I think you maybe got in like ten words edgewise. So I fucking adore this movie. It's Stone Cold Classic, ten out of ten for me. What did you think of it? And we'll go from there. And we can this is definitely one we can top to bottom, T to B the plot if you want to. Like um, whatever you want to do, however you're feeling. But I've been wanting you to watch this for forever. When we did our plug for uh, for Manhunters over on the movie yes. arc feed, when we did Manhunters, our Michael Mann series, and we discussed the film Manhunter, we, we praised William Peterson no end, and the debate was, is this his best performance? And I said, nah, dude, it's fucking to live and die in L.A., and you revealed that you had never seen it, and mm-hmm. I was flabbergasted because I was like, this is one of the most Gavin movies yeah. ever made. Can so, I, I just want to read you my little notes I was taking. When I was I'd love to I'm going to read them in full, and then we can discuss the movie. Just got to hear these out from top to bottom, right? Okay. All right. To live and die in L.A. Okay. Dope music. 
Wang Chung. Wow, everyone is so young. When did California stop putting people in jeans in prison? Bill Peterson <laughs> dick. Fuck yeah. Sorry. Did you catch that last one? What? Bill Peterson dick. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want bread? Go fuck a baker. Oh, hey, there's a freaking car chase. That's as far as I got. I was just mesmerizing. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I was in it. I was in. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Because think about it. What is, what, what, what are we watching? What? Is it Thief? Thief is, Willie Nelson's in prison, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's in fucking jeans. Yeah. And then Jericho Miles. They used to let him rock down. I don't know. What is, what, when did that stop, man? Like, I kind of want to bring it back. I'm assuming denim got more expensive and that's Maybe. why they wear like cheaper shit now. I don't, I don't know. know. But it's like everybody up until. Jericho he, Mile, aren't they in jeans? Yeah. He's running around in cutoffs. Yeah. Maybe it was just like a. Like a, maybe that's what they used to. They used to give their excess denim to like prisons because like there were no Gabe's, assume, there were no TJ Maxx's. But aren't prisons like? Aren't they making the denim there? You know, what I'm maybe saying? I don't Wasn't know. Wasn't that a big thing? Belt bu- They're making the belt buckles and bar rocket. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> hey, or give them to these guys. You know, I don't hold any grudges. <laughs> <laughs> They're still humans. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> this fucking movie, man. I mean, from the moment it started, I was like. Oh fuck! I should have seen this a long time ago. Like, yeah. Why? Why? Do, why? I mean, I, mean, I know I bits. Full, I know full admission here. I saw it like the year after I graduated college for the first time, and was kicking myself like, "Where's this been all my life?" You mean you watched it for the first time? Or you graduated college for the first time? What are you talking about? I watched it for the first time the year after I graduated college. Okay, so it's not you. like I've been on this since like middle school, and I'm like, "What the hell, brother?" I'm late to the party too, for yeah. sure. And especially considering like. I consider myself a pretty big Friedkin fan for a while now. Still have not seen everything he's ever made, but this was the huge blind spot, if I mm-hmm. will, in terms of the the way it's regarded versus like you know I just had no awareness of it for the longest time. Okay, so we open with Ronald Reagan coming to town. Yeah, Reagan's coming in town to give. That's why that was beautiful. So the Secret Service. This is the the L.A. offices, right? Okay. Which the way I I understand it to be is that pretty much when the president's in town, it's all hands on deck. But when not, when it isn't, you're running down kidnappings and or money crimes. Um, just because I know whenever people bring in a fake a fake bill or a fake check to us, it's going our compliance guy. But that guy's gonna he's gonna send it to the Columbia Secret Service office. That's just what they do. They they mm-hmm. monitor all monetary transactions. Now the thing I appreciated. Because we get the whole, the two of them, and like, partner's too old for this shit. Very Danny Glover. Excuse me. Very Danny Glover, two fucking years before Lethal Weapon exactly. is even a gleam in anybody's eye. Exactly. You have the, I'm too old for this shit. Now, is it the first movie to ever say it? Probably no. not. But Is it the first movie where a cop says it to another cop? But I'm there, and I'm like, I'm like. Shane Black? Did you? Like, this is too. I literally looked it up. I was like, Lethal Weapon's 87, dude. This Shane is, Black this predates. You know, it Shane sure. Black was Shane taking Black notes. definitely saw this movie. He was taking notes. For sure. Dude. Okay. He might have been a page boy on it so for yeah, all we know. You got. You got. This is one of those weird ones. It's Richard Chance. I have to remember. He's basically got two first names. Yeah. We'll call him Chance. Whatever. Bill Peterson. Right. Killing it. Looking like a million fucking, fucking dollars in this scene. Hey, dude. And so they. It's him and his. Elder partner, Jim Hart. Okay, played by Michael Green. Some people might know him from Batteries Not Included. Um, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
they're in town. They're, I forget what hotel they're at, etc. Reagan's just giving a speech. There's a mention of like, hey, he says we'll come up and like play a few rounds of cards with us. And I'm like, this is very, I was like, I did not expect, because I, Friedkin's weird politically. Like he seems ultra conservative to a certain degree, but also I'm like, that seems at odds with some of his movies. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, it seems like they would be like subversively trying to give some shit to Reagan. But I'm also like, but this is the height of Reagan. Yeah. So maybe we're not quite to that point where everybody's like, eh, maybe this I is don't not think the best I ran, system for everybody. I ran Contra hadn't hit till 86, right? I believe so. Yeah. So like um, he hadn't had to come on TV and been like, I'm sorry. And I think Nancy's already said, just say no. Oh, yeah. So people are like, going. okay. So. And didn't like a Secret Service guy like help him? Was there not like a retired Secret Service guy like you know, being a contributor or something to the film. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm just falls into the, the, again, this movie is like, it's like, it's like Michael Mann was just like, I could have done this. Yeah. I could have done this, but it would have been different. It would have had a a different feel, a different vibe to it. But Friedkin is another guy who like, if I can get somebody who knows the technical specs on this, has done it in real life, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring him in. And the book that it's based on is written by a former Secret Service That's right. agent. Okay. Now, so, the book is a work of fiction. Right. There's definitely a lot of, like, and the way that Rich, that Chance is presented in the movie, it's like, this is the idealized version of, like, if you were if you were a normal, quote-unquote, Secret Service dude who maybe didn't see a lot of action, this is the dude you want to be in your mm-hmm. head, essentially. So this is the dream version of that job. So very early on in this hotel... He sees he just sees a suspicious guy at the end of the hallway, bolts down there, sees that the dining tray, there's, there's nothing on it or whatever. He's like, I got to shake. Love it. Fucking takes off up the stairwell, goes up. This guy is like, death to Islam or uh, Allah Akbar. I forget. It's never fully explained. It's whatever. This dude's got a vest ready to go. And Chance is trying to talk him down. And his older partner, Jim Hart, grabs the dude by the leg, pulls him off. Vest blows. You think, like, oh shit, old guy's dead, Me right? too, that's what I was thinking. Nope, they're just sitting there, smoking a cigarette afterwards. Getting too old for this shit. Let's go play some cards, get drunk or something. Yeah, So that's, and then, boom, we're into our opening credit sequence. Gorgeous L.A. photography. Oh Sun-drenched 80s L.A. Wang Chung kicks in. You got these great neon green and orange oh, dude, title the, cards. The, the fucking title cards, man. I was like, <laughs> why did more this just shit not... Jazzed off oh of my man. god, dude. Yeah. It's a it's a retro kids wet fucking dream. I mean, like again, that's why I was like, how did you not see it? This was like probably the best one you've asked me to yet. I don't know if you're gonna be able to top it, honestly. This fucking movie, dude. Like, I I can't. I watched it twice. Like, I had to yeah. go back and watch well, it twice. I, yes, I feel like we don't really have anything in depth to say about it other than this movie's fucking great. Like, literally every single second of it. No, I mean, I could go so, ad nauseum about it. Like, one of my favorite things in any movie. Is like when people just because I deal with money all the time when people talk about counterfeiting it. Obviously, like the plates in Rush Hour Two, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, die, ooh, it burns red, whatever. But like Willem Dafoe, basically like crafting this from he's an artist. He's a fucking artist, yeah, from like scratch and like the detail given to like. Again, it's one. I, I mean, it's one of the five best sequences in the movie. It's just him alone. literally showing you. And again, specious IMDb bullshit. But apparently, it is so accurate that 
the secret. So this was one of those cases where the secret service was like, can you take out this detail or this frame? Because you're literally giving people a step-by-step mm-hmm. step instructional yeah. booklet on how to do this. So it's like, can you, and they do the same thing with breaking bad, for instance, where it's like, well, we don't show you the two or three chemical processes in between here. We left out this detail or whatever. Cause otherwise it's a fucking manual. Yeah. But yeah, the detail that they show you, Rick Masters, Willem Dafoe, killing it. Oh Absolutely, God. everybody's on fire. Dude, just movie. burning the fucking we even, painting. We haven't even gotten to John Pankow yet. Oh. Stealth, stealth MVP of this movie, dude. Pankow, my my dude. dude why was he you. not? Why was he not in more stuff since? What has he done? Nothing, right? Mad about that, you? No, mad about you. Oh, for yeah. years he was fucking. That's he's Ira. Right. He's uh, That's Paul Reiser's right. best friend. Yeah, no, he. I think he won dude, Emmys and I'm, shit. He's all right. I'm, I'm not even, okay. I just want to like. You're working for me now. Fucking dude, how do you not, man? This fucking movie. Okay, okay. Sorry, we'll, I'm swearing we'll a lot. I just, I love this thing, man. You have to. It's all good. So after the initial, that's just basically setting up. These guys have history together. Him and his partner, Jim Hart. He looks up to him, etc. So we have our opening credit sequence. We get our first glimpse of Rick Masters, Willem Dafoe, but we have no idea who the fuck this dude is, what he has to do with anything. We just see him putting a. a Pretty decent looking painting. I'm not. I don't know much about modern art. I'm not going to say it's gorgeous or anything, but burning a painting. We were like, don't quite know what to make of it. All right. All right. So, to move things along a little bit. Next time we see Chance, he's on a fucking bridge. Right. And you're like, dude, what happened? Like, he's out of his. Oh man. How far are what? Like, what did we miss? What? Yeah. Did jumps you? off the jumps off this fucking bridge and he, and he's bungee jumping because he's a goddamn thrill seeker. Yes, <laughs> because for this yes. guy the action is the juice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does he talk about? His he's balls got, going up in his throat. Yeah, feel he's like, like it's great, man. Balls go up in your fucking throat. Like yeah, that's when you really live and you're alive. <laughs> like what Bro. the dude? Okay. So they go out to celebrate afterwards. They're having some brewskis. They're talking about you know what they bet on most recently, et cetera, et cetera. And they're heading out. And Jim Hart's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go track down this lead or whatever. And he's like, hey, do you, like, you don't want me to come out there with you? Going out? And he's like, what's the point in both of us tracking down the same lead? And I was like, I don't know if I understand your logic here, dude. No, like, man. I'm going to go out in this clandestine warehouse in the desert. Totally fine. I'll be all right by myself. Exactly. Very, very, very strange. And then, of course, the second you hear, like, two days left for retirement, I'm like, dude, just if you're a cop, just don't never, never quit. Don't. Just or you can quit, but just just bail. Never announce your retirement. Uh-huh. Never have a day count on it because you're never going <laughs> to see the end of That has to be a bit if we ever get to make a movie. We have to have like an old dude that's there and then like, what happened to Jim? I, he retired. What? He didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And like, he called, Jim, what's up? Hi, hey, I'm at, house, I'm at the house, whatever. He's just completely fine at home. He's like the like the Jerry of the office. Like yes. Jerry, Gary Gergich goes home to his loving family, as opposed to, I got two days left, and then I get blown away investigating a lead that probably, I would have never been able to get any paperwork done, any warrants signed in two days to come back here to see this case through. Yeah. So I literally could have fucked off for two days and I'd still be alive. Like, well, hey man, I can help you from the shadows, but I'm out of the game. Yeah. But instead. So Hart rolls out to the desert. He sees Masters leave mm-hmm. as far as he knows. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go in and scope it out. It's this big warehouse, fenced in area, barbed wire. Hops over. Warehouse itself is locked up, but he saw Masters drop a bag 
In the trash. In the trash after he was done printing and stuff. So he goes and checks the dumpster. And guess who's still there? <laughs> uh, Rick and his, his henchman. I forget his name. I don't even know if the dude has a name. But incredibly intense looking dude. Yeah. And it's just immediately, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, fucker. And... But this is your first of many a brutal shotgunning in to this the movie. face to the fucking <laughs> no, face. Yes, no, no quarter whatsoever. Nope. Just boom, ice up, and they they get the fuck out of dodge. They're just all right. They're done. done. So we cut to we. I love that we stay there, and we just see the ticker. I love, dude. I love every time the timestamps come up. It's always a different font, slightly different. Mm-hmm. And I also love. It's kind of a Christmas movie. Kind of a, the whole thing takes yeah. place like in the Christmas New Year season, but it's all in L.A., so you would never like no, you'd never think of it as such. Yeah. But yeah, so they come back two days later. It's Christmas Eve, and they roll in because obviously he didn't come back from this detail rover, so they're possibly fearing the worst. They don't know what happened. They roll in there in full force. Of course, Masters and his dude have cleared out, but he notices the blood trickling from the garbage we never see the inside of it but we can imagine i mean we saw him get shotgun in the face probably not great looking we hear the flies buzzing like great little details and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and pretty much from that point we were like all right chance means business yep comes back in to the precinct to the i keep calling it they're fucking secret service i have to keep reminding myself they're not just like lapd cops but they're very specifically secret service guys who are going gonna go off the books very shortly from here their head dude you know who that is who that is robert downey senior that's the last time you saw old rd senior in a movie Uh -uh. yeah i saw the name in the credits but i couldn't i kept looking for i don't know why maybe i got this confused with less than zero and i kept thinking (laughs) that like robert downey jr was gonna show up but yeah no but yeah, Downey Senior is the captain. And he basically he assigns him as new partner, right? John Pankow, and they're like, they seem totally cordial for the most part at the beginning. But Chance makes it very clear, like, hey, this guy killed my partner. I've been trying to nail this guy for you. I also love the setup of like, they know about Masters. It's not like this thing that they get. He's a new guy on the street. It's yeah, like, but oh, this like is they're aware Masters. of him. He has a reputation around town. They just haven't been able to nail this guy. I like I like that element of it. Right. It's not just this one incident that inspires everything. It's like this guy's been on the streets for this long and he killed my partner and he's still getting away with it. Like we got to shut this guy down. So you have a series of them basically running down different leads. And I'm trying to remember where things first start to kind of like get extracurricular, if you will. It's something he takes in front of him or does in front of him. I can't remember what it... Yeah. So, fairly early on, they find find Totoro, who was one of his mules. Oh, my God. Okay. Having just... No, no. Just having seen him in A Plot Against America, to go back to where, like, I've made the joke before, he should be Gabe Sporta's dad. Like, (laughs) to looking just like him in Cobra Starship, so fucking young, dude. I don't think I've ever seen John Totoro that young before. Ever in my life. Well, I never like looked at a picture or anything. So to see him that young and making moves and stuff, I was just like, oh, okay. And I love the bit of like, hey, can I get the cash that guy just paid paid you with? Yeah, sure. And like, yeah, dude, that's him. And of course the 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 tracking shot running through the the terminal. And just I don't know 
where he trained or what he did, but Bill Peterson is just a master of like the space and looking like looking like the fucking dude because he's hopping over like chairs. Incredible around. physical just, presence yeah. in this era. It's yes. it's it's a it's amazing. Catches him in the bathroom, you know, all this and that. Yeah. And they roll with it. And so I don't know they take, what... They take Turturro in, but he's he's not going to roll over. No. Basically. But now Masters is concerned that he may talk at some point. But before we get to that, he goes to see another lawyer, not Dean Stockwell. Right. We'll get to Stockwell in a little bit. But he first sends in his, his lady friend who dances at the club downtown or whatever. Again, his kind of like... The, his day to day life and the like. The art seems like this guy's dropout, yeah. crazy coke, like high art LA scene that he's involved with, dude. I just want to live in that nightlife for like a week. I'll be good, <laughs> but I just want if I can make it without with all the cocaine. If yeah. I could make it for a week, I think I'd be fine. Yeah. But he just seems like he lives this ridiculously like. He's got that, and then he's got like. You know, gangbangers in Compton. He's got all this different stuff he's doing. It's like Rick Masters really is a master of like his entire universe. He goes, okay, sorry, this gets us to the scene. I was, I, it's it's been a few days. Masters sits down. Defoe sits down with Turturro in prison, right? And is basically like, hey, the lawyer said you didn't show that he was shorted this amount, etc. Like the drop never happened. And it sounds like, from what Turturro was saying, no, this guy's trying to fuck me. Like, he's screwing you and trying to tell you that I'm the one who screwed you over. But yeah. I didn't screw you over. I left the money there. I counted out in tens like you wanted me to. Yeah. So you need to go talk to him. Because if he says I screwed you over, I'll fucking kill him. We got. I, sorry, I gotta get this line in. I just gotta find it so I don't screw it up. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, you're right. Because they're on a stakeout of this lawyer. This other, like... Waxman. Waxman, yeah. The yes. guy that they've been doing the drop with. That, like, they... You know, they've been... They get, like, okay, we got Totoro. We got him. Now, from there, we got okay. this. Yeah. Okay, so Masters just tried to reassure him. Where he's like, Grimes is the best lawyer in the state. It'll either be an appeal bond or sentence reduction. And one of the best deliveries of the entire movie, Totoro's just like, yeah, and the check is in the mail, and I love you, and I promise not to come in your mouth. <laughs> So fucking great. Yes. Oh. So they're they're good for the moment, but this leads Masters to checking out Waxman, the shady lawyer who may or may not have screwed him over. So he sends in his girlfriend's femme fatale, if you will. Yeah, his own yeah. To get him vulnerable. And then breaks in. I I love the line of like you know you're living like an animal in the fucking zoo kicks him directly in the balls they like they tussle around they go at it he ends up killing him and all of this goes down while across the street chance is asleep and pankow is also passed out like at the window they miss all of this shit going down until a cop responds presumably to the scuffle whatever somebody's called it in or whatever yeah it's a regular black and white shows up there they go inside and Chance snakes a, a, little, a, a date book essentially. Yeah, because back in the day, you had to have a book yeah. with people's phone numbers, addresses, um, fax machines numbers, possibly a payphone you could know to call to meet them at. Because nobody had phones that remembered everybody's number. So that's what he steals, and he basically says, "Hey, man, that's evidence. Like you should have left it." And 
Chance is like, look, dude, I wouldn't have taken this if I didn't trust the guy I took it in front of. I'm here to nail this motherfucker. Like, yeah, I, don't I don't care. I don't care about how I do it. He says this multiple times yes. in the movie. Like, I don't give this, a shit. Yeah. I am going to nail this motherfucker to the wall. You can be cool with it or you can take it up the chain. I don't give a now, shit. So Panko, Pankow, excuse me, does go and talk to Robert Downey Sr. is basically like, you know, I don't know about this, blah, 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 or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll take it under consideration. Like, if you want to report a problem that you're having with him, like, that's totally fine. But he's he's good agent, basically. He's one of the best we got. That's kind of the long and short of it. So, they're back from that. They've got a couple different leads to run. That, that leads to one of the great chase seeds where, why are you running from me? Why are you chasing me? Man? <laughs> yeah. Just like that all back and forth. A lot of that stuff, and they're they're kind of consistently coming up short. They're not like they're not making any headway, right? Basically, until someone is able to get them a face to face with him. They never seen him. He doesn't know who they are. Is it the lawyer who said it's Stockwell that right. sets up the meet? Because Dean Stockwell is Master's lawyer, right now, and he is also. John Pankow's lawyer. Now, you get the impression that, like, I'm assuming, like, Pankow's dad is friends with this guy. Like, he's the family lawyer. Yeah. Like, before he even became a cop, he probably right. knew this guy. Mm-hmm. And Stockwell's a good shady lawyer in as much as, like, he recognizes that, like, hey, if I didn't defend these people, somebody else would. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like you know, working for masters essentially. And of course but, at the later on, he's like, he's trying to order me around. Like I'm one of his like mules and I'm not down with that. So if you wanted to get him and take him off my hands, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. So and, he basically makes the contact because they don't know that masters has no idea that the secret service in particular, or these agents in particular are on to him yet. They've yeah. never seen each other face to face. So the exactly. idea is you guys just go undercover. Like you're making a buy, like you're bankers and you're, Interested in the counterfeit, mm-hmm. so they meet up. He's maybe a little suspicious. They're to their play. I love that they meet up while he's working while they're working out. That's yeah. my favorite bit. Just a classic eighties gym. They're yeah. in the sauna. They're doing reps. All this stuff. All the while, she's like, he has the same femme fatale chick looking through their car and stuff. Yeah, to make sure they're legit. And of course, they are. So he tells him, "Look, I'll do it. But anybody who knows Rick Masters knows he's going to charge you thirty k up front. I'm going to need thirty k up front." And for well, the job, the problem with the 30k, the yeah. limit that they're allowed to check out for investigations is 10,000. 10, right. That's it. So of course, chances cannot wrap his head around why, like, what the fuck does it matter? Like, right. just give me this, that this we're talking about literally $20,000 difference. That's what gets us through the door. That I'm literally going to turn Se- around and yeah. give you right back. I'm not going to lose Senior it. Downey Senior won't let it fly. So again, he's got to go above the law a little bit, outside the law. No, he's got to go on the other side. Yeah, no. This leads to one of the best sequences of the entire movie. Now, and we get it. Now, here, there, we need to mention, because I put it in my notes, somewhere in between one of these busts, he goes over to a CO, CI's, a CI's house. Yes. And that's when, like, of course, I had to, I had to run it back. Because that, I mean, the first thing I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, shit, Bill's, Bill Peterson's getting, like, she's already naked. He's naked. Like, what is this? Oh shit! Like he's throwing her down on the bed. Like he's, 
That's a totally silhouette, Bill Peters' dick. Like, he's about to fuck the shit out of this girl. And the thing he says to her when he leaves, I'd have your parole revoked, and leaves. This motherfucker is cold as shit. <laughs> yes. He does not care about nobody. All he wants to do is get Rick Masters, and that's it. And I don't know if that's the flaw in the chink in his armor. We'll see. But just the idea of, like, they share it a night. She gives him this info about, like, hey, there's a Chinaman that comes to town. And he usually carries a ton of cash on him. No one knows he's coming in. He's supposed to come buy shit. You could totally rip him off and no one would know. And that's the thing. She sets it up way earlier. As a long like time a, ago. She hey, asked him. Hey, can if, he I, would... if I give you this tip, like, what's in it for me kind of thing. And he's like you know if it leads to an arrest or something obviously but he's like i don't care about this right now why am right. i gonna go bust this asian guy like whatever yeah. okay but all of a sudden it clicks and it's like hey i know how we can get thirty thousand dollars real quick right so that's the plan they hatch but anyways that moment you were talking about where we do get some full-on peterson dong that it's brief but that's one of and again the context around it and their relationship dynamic it's not great but that is one of the more hot scenes I've ever seen yeah. in, a, in a movie of this type. Exactly. I will say. <laughs> yeah. Just the framing of it, just like how it frames him coming home, and you're like, okay, is it? Oh no, this isn't his place. This yeah. is her place. Like you just the. He's and then such you realize a, that he's literally he's dipping in for like a quick bone, maybe a little bit of info, and then he's going right back on the job. Like, right. This yeah. Is this is like a pit stop. routine. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So. He, after some convincing, because again, Pankow the whole time has been like, dude, I don't know about this. This is not by the book. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. But he convinces him, hey, we go in, we scope this guy out. If anything feels weird, we bail immediately. But he's like, I know exactly where he's coming in at. I know his gate. And they do a great, it's so simple. I love the like, just little tiny cop things they do or secret service things they do that are just super smart. They literally, they have him, he gets off the plane, this Thomas Ling guy that they're going to intercept, and they just have him paged on information or whatever, that there's been, a, there's a letter here for you or something. He goes and opens it, and it's like, hello, asshole. Yeah. And boom, he steps up right behind him, and it's just like, all right, dude, like, we got you now, so come with us. They get him in the car, they drive, they end up going under an overpass, they're down near, like, the, the reservoir. Right, L.A. River. Yes. And it's very tense. We don't know what's going on. He gets gets the case out of this dude's hand, starts beating the shit out of it, and a phone book pops out. And you're immediately like, Oh, this is fucked. What the, what's going on here? Boom, cut to, they're being watched by a sniper scope. Fucking Thomas Link gets blown the fuck After away. he tells like, him, like, oh, you're wearing it, aren't you? Like, get it, get your shirt off, get your clothes off. What you have on you, I want. You are, you're wearing it. Smart yeah. move, but no, give it up. And he gives it up, and then... All well, hell breaks loose, All basically. hell breaks, dude. And I, I, honestly, this was so fucking scary and tense for me. It felt like playing, like, Payday. Or like one of these other like bank robber games where like everybody. I was just gonna go with like a really good mission of GTA. Yeah, Yeah. like everybody. Do they just do not stop, man? Yeah. And the whole time I'm like, who the fuck are these dudes? That's what's so great about it. That's the best part about it. The reality of like they way too quickly moved into this criminal underworld on a random tip from this woman who, again, we don't know if if she's truly a reliable source or not. We don't know what got fucked where. We don't know who's undercover. Who's like. An informant, all of this shit. All we know is just chaos ensues, basically. 
and one of like probably the ten best car chases of all time. Yes. A as lot soon of as it I, as with soon them as it, down in this construction district where it's literally just them weaving between 18-wheelers and shit. And that's and not to mention the end of like going the wrong way on the L.A. freeway. Are that's, you fucking kidding that's me? That's the big one. In rush hour traffic, yes. by the way. Yes, in 80s rush hour traffic. Yes. Like, of all times. And that's, of course, when I was like... And, of course, the oh, way no, they... they get Okay, they get away for a bit or they get to the L.A. River. And this is what I love. It's like, oh, we fucking made it, man. We fucking made it. And then... Who are these guys? Who are these? Oh, there's two of them. What the, like, just the reality of like, we have no idea what we just got ourselves into nope. and things just keep escalating. You have no idea. And then come to find out. No, no. I love the, well, I love the bit after, well, they finally make it away. They get to like that beautiful shot where they run the car back in and he has to break the window even more. Best shot in the movie. Probably. Probably. That wide. That like, wide with the, the junkyard and like, you see the background of the city and all that. Yeah. It just and again, this is where this is where my last note hit because as soon as this amped up, I was like, I can't take notes anymore. I just have to, I'm in this yeah. shit now. But I was like, oh, of course, this is a freaking movie. There's gonna be a car chase. Yeah. It has to be because if you don't know William Freakin, you probably have seen or heard of the French Connection and how everybody raves about that car chase scene from the '70s and for what it was of a different kind. Sorcerer's not exactly a chase movie, but it is an exercise in tension with vehicles, yes. which this man is very good at. Yes, yes. Um, and then the next shot. Where they they put out a bulletin that you know the FBI is interested in two white males who, you know, robbed an informant of theirs, and that informant was killed, you know, during this robbery. It's like, but the fucking, whoa, wait, the fed, the, the feds were th- those were federal agents that we, oh fuck, like yeah. holy shit. But I mean, again, they killed their own dude. Are they, they're gonna pin it on these Secret Service guys anyway, but still, yeah. And the idea that like. They nobody got their faces. Nobody got their like. Nobody could like pick them out. I'm just like they do both have shades on and they're dressed, dressed very nondescript. But yeah, yeah, they get a make on the car, but nothing else. So Chance is like, hey, don't stress about it. Meanwhile, Pankow is having like an existential Digital crisis, crisis yeah, about just, just like, like what am dude? We're in too deep. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where? Do, how do we get to? Oh. They go in to make the buy. Excuse me. Yeah, he goes to see her one more time. Or no, where do they get the money from? They get the money from the diamonds. He, they got whatever was on him in cash. They got the cash buckle off of him. They got the money from from the dude. Like, they have that money. The briefcase was a decoy. Yeah, the, right. the money was, like I said, was bolted onto yes. the Chinese guy, whoever it was. And so it's... They get the cash. They give Ruth, the informant, her cut. Right. Come, and we mention it because it comes into play later. So now they got the money to go make the buy with Masters. Pankow has talked to his lawyer again, though, yes. about this whole thing about like, oh, we'll have to do, you'll have to do time, you have to do this. We definitely got to talk about this. You can this rat on your partner. Where if you rat out Chance, tell him like, hey, this is all the extracurricular shit he's been doing. You can probably walk away from this totally fine. But he has this code of honor where right. he's like, can't do it. Can't, can't turn. Can't run on my partner. I'm not gonna right. do it. And you're. This is probably the first time where you're like, I really like this guy. Yeah, I like this guy. There's something about this guy. So they roll into the buy. They're in the. It's the same sports club as before, right? It's like the locker room. I feel like it's the locker room of the sports. Or were club. they in an airport locker? I couldn't tell. Honestly, they were in a nondescript part of town. No, they were at some building. I can't remember where they were, but they I were... assumed it was their same gym club that they were getting changed in earlier. It looks like, yeah, just lit differently, probably. 
Because he says, I'm not hard to find. Now, you walk me through your reaction to this scene. No. I can't. (laughs) Oh, fuck. All right. So, and I'll do it this way. In the midst of all this, we are treated to a scene where uh, Masters tries to have Totoro killed by having guys. This this play back into the scene by by having guys in the you know Compton the Hood whatever paid them in small bills to have somebody take him out. Well, that gets foiled, and that that causes Chance to get closer and closer. Like I can protect you and do this. Chance winds up taking him out. You know, leaving the you know, letting getting Totoro out of prison for only Totoro to like lie to him about his sick kid and like totally leave him. For, yes, I totally forgot about this. They're, and they're in like, the midst before this, before the big buy goes down, he does track Totoro back down. Yeah, and, he's and like, put, I got one last thing I need to yeah. take care of. So he does this yeah. before this final buy. Well, when the the assassination in prison goes, you know, goes tits up, he's like, I'm getting my money back. And he goes and's like, "Hey, I, I need my I need my paper back. Like you didn't do your job, whatever." And he goes, "Well, we'll get to it. This and that." And he goes, "You can't. Like he's in protective custody." <laughs> oh shit, man! Yeah, protective custody. I mean, it's comes. like, okay, well, I don't care. I need my paper back. This and that. They argue back and forth, and it end. But what you see in that is the unassuming guy who we've seen already blow. Oh an sorry, F- we're. I just don't want to step on it. I'm what? sorry. When he comes back to get his money, he says. <laughs> Well, then you better try and shit 40 grand because yes. I'm not leaving without it. Yes. This is great to vote. Yeah. So and good. so, of course, in the midst of like a back and forth scuffle, his big silent henchman dude obviously gets the drop and like blows somebody away, which allows Willem Dafoe to put the silencer in that get in dude's mouth. It's like, you better suck on this and just yeah. boom. So knowing that that guy is that guy, when I'm watching the scene, I'm like, okay. All right, nobody fucking touches me. Touch me like they're they're already getting into it at the bottom of the stairwell before they walk upstairs. All right, cool. They go, they get, they go, and they get. All right, finally they got him. They got him on tape. They got him doing this, and they're like, "All right, it's fucking go time. Time to arrest him." And the minute that like it all goes down, and they're pulling out guns, and I'm like, "Oh shit, here we go. What's gonna?" And fucking Peterson gets his head blown off. Shotguns. To the unceremoniously on to the fucking face dude i haven't been that gut punched since, since the departed since the depart you knew i was gonna go <laughs> since dicaprio opened that fucking elevator door dude i have not been that disheartened but i get it dude to live and die in, in LA, la baby there's no more redemption for that dude because even if they know already you had to have 30 grand to make this meet all right so if this doesn't end tits up with one of you dead how do we end it yeah you're gonna come back and say well how'd you get that money well funny story and you (laughs) you're not gonna be an agent after this anyway yeah he i don't know if he knows that or if he thinks he it doesn't matter to him all he wants is to get his guy and then of course you know this is this is what puts it over the top like the movie's already like a nine out of ten but this last little five minutes is what takes it over the top because Masters gets away, okay, and Pankow is like, it's a great, like, oh, Chance, like, keep talking or move it. Like, he's losing his shit. Boom, cut to, he follows him to one of the printing houses. Which he already had found earlier. Yes. So he knows to go there, sees it's on fire. The Chinese character on the outside. Right. Sees it's on fire, Masters trying to, like, burn all the evidence, burn up the press, Start anew, essentially, because right. he's been completely burned. He knows he's got to get the fuck out of there. He, right, all his LA privileges have been revoked. Pretty much. Um, 
Pankow shows up, gets knocked the fuck out. And when he kept beating him, I was like, oh, fuck, he's dead too, man. This is all over Covers him in shredded paper and is about to light Pankow on fire, basically. Right. With lighter fluid. Pankow wakes up, blows Willem Dafoe away, unloads his entire revolver, like, cylinder into him. And Dafoe catches on fire. This is before he asks, why didn't you just take the deal that he gave you? And you realize, oh, shit. The lawyer's been playing Yeah, the lawyer's trying to... Yeah, Stockwell's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, okay, I get it. So in watching, when I watched it a second time, I was like, I'm trying to look at Stockwell and see if there's anything about him beforehand that, like, going into this, they would have known these two guys that are going to meet you, they're Secret Service. Right, right, right. right, If there was any tells, anything that were going to, like, give it away. But based off of the scenes I've seen before of, oh, his henchman dude is just in there like swimwear when it comes to protecting him... Of course he's going to have a fucking shotgun. He's already blown somebody away in the face. And yeah. it is it is tragic and it is poetic that teacher, student, you know, apprentice, whatever, master, whatever, like both are shot in the face by the same dude. Yeah. Crazy. But again, that's what happens when it when it comes to living and dying in L.A. Yeah. So he shoots masters, masters catch on fire. He burns down amongst all of his work, essentially, his art and his press and everything. Right. Very poetic, okay? And it could end right here. And I would be perfectly pleased with it. Yes. But no. There's one one more loose end. Right. The rest of that 50000 Right. Where did it go? It went in Ruth's pocket. Right. So, he shows up and he basically is like, so you knew that guy was an informant, right? Like, you know, you set us up, essentially. And she kind of gives a half-assed answer, but it's essentially like, yeah, she's been like... Good on her for looking out for her own damn self, because clearly Chance was not going to do it. No. She had to, like, she had to make moves. Whatever. I don't judge her at all for it. But that's when you essentially get the reveal of, like, he has completely transformed into Chance now. Yes. He is the new Chance. He and is. He's like, no, you work for me now. Yeah. Shades on, face beat to shit. Like, just, oh, 100%. And then fucking... Some Wang Chung kicks and back we're in. Good, dude. And we're good, dude. Again, ten out of ten. Fucking incredible. Uh, fucking eleven out of ten, <laughs> yeah. brother, dude. This movie is so fucking good. It is like I'm 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 gonna say it. To live and die in L.A. Man under. Just that much. Where you I, put thief in there? <laughs> I don't know. I know it's not directly related. It's like, I just if you live and die in L.A. Yeah, Manhunter. If you thief. look up the like related movies, like yes. Thief is obviously in the conversation because there's very few. I'm like, I want to put a PSA out there. If anybody listening right now, I constantly look for movies of the. I'm like, Wait, there's got to be another gem that exists that I don't know about yet, right? Yeah. But anything of this vibe, lay it on me, man. Like, let me know. Archive at gmail The archive at gmail Excuse me. Uh, Anything else you want to say about Time and Die in L.A., man? I, Look, I want, excuse me. Looking at it as a, a neo-noir, which it 110% fuck, is, yeah. I love the parallel of, like, the the partner seeing things through is definitely a noir genre trope to the point where one of my favorite video games, L.A. Noir, right. the Rockstar game, goes there, where you realize that you're the character you've been playing as for the majority of the game has been having an affair that you weren't even allowed to like decide whether you wanted to take part in. Right. And now you're dead 
Mm-hmm. And you got to play as the other partner who you kind of thought was a dick through the whole game to see the whole thing through. And it com- the whole narrative shifts in the la- in the in the third act. Shades of uh, Black Dahlia, Mister Hartnett deciding he's like, I gotta I gotta do this. Yeah, your partner's unceremoniously killed and like just forgotten, done. And I think honestly, the shotgun to the face was like just as brutal as like a, a fucking um, Jimmy Belushi. Getting thrown oh, in the shotgun in the or Sh- shotgun in the chest, shotgun in the chest, yeah. and then dumped in acid. Yeah. It's like nothing is going to. No one mad. You don't matter. Like it's almost that's as brutal when Dylan got his what his legs got his legs broken <laughs> before well, they, they shot, shot him. him. <laughs> yes, as brutal as that. Yeah, yeah. It, uh-huh. I can't. I cannot. I can't think of anything else that comes close to this. I I did want. I can you maybe you can save it for next week. Can you tell me? Who do you get to direct if they want to touch this? Let's say they, assuming, this is the the assumption is that the remake that they come out with is fucking golden. It is maybe even almost a shot-for-shot remake, just updating the way L.A. looks. That's it. Who do you get to, re, to direct it, and who's your star? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. If you can give me, who's your, well, Bill Peterson, who's your pan cow? Give me those two guys, because... As far as I'm concerned, Willem Dafoe could come right back and do this role fucking <laughs> yeah. again today, and nobody would care. 100%. You could literally just dye his hair black, slick him down, and you'd be like, oh, shit, of course, I totally buy it. You get Peterson to be the uh, Robert Downey character. Here's what I want. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be very cool. Well, Pankow should be the new, it should be the same character. Just aged up. Just take Pank out, and now he's the the top guy in the Secret Service. Right. Here's what I want. As Richard Chance, Robert Pattinson. Fucking shit, <laughs> yes. Okay. And Lakeith Stanfield as, as Pank House part. Dude, are you fucking... I fucking yes. just made a great do, movie. Do it. I mean, yeah. do it. Write that shit right now. And I Write this, it down. And I want the Safdie brothers to direct it. It's very write simple. It, fucking put it on your notepad right now, okay? Just write... Literally, you got... You're not working. You got another week in quarantine. Write the fucking remake right now. Update it. Send it to the Safdies and tell them, hey, could you do this with, with Pattinson? Now, and Stanfield. Granted, they are they are New York boys. I don't know if they will ever expand beyond that. I would like for them to, but they are. Then they fucking are, change it to they, live and die New York. Who cares? No, you could totally do that as well. But I was gonna say they're inherently New York New York filmmakers. Now, the secret artsy fartsy side of me, I want NWR to direct. Of course this. you do. That's who. That's who I was thinking the entire time. I was like, this motherfucker has to have watched to live and die in L.A. On repeat and for years. Me, I adore Defoe, and I totally agree with you. He could come back and knock this out of the park immediately. But Tom Burke, the brother of Gosling in Only God Forgives, Ooh. would be an amazing Rick Masters. Yes, I could see that. So, hundred percent. There you go. Robert Pattinson, Lakeith Stanfield, and Tom Burke in To Live and Die in L.A. Twenty Twenty One. Do it. <laughs> I, Make it happen. Which, seriously, you got nothing but time on your hands. Write the fucking screenplay, okay. my man. Well, this went swimmingly. Yes. I, I knew you would enjoy this one. I wish to, like, I don't know what's taken us three years of podcasting to finally talk about it. Yes. But I'm glad we finally found an excuse to get to it. So, again, I was I assume, given that you gave Bottle Rocket a 9 out of 10 on this episode, is it you said 11 out of 10. I said 11 out of 10. That's right. Yeah. 
To Live and Die in L.A., we could not recommend it more highly enough. It is streaming readily on Prime right now. If you didn't already watch it, sorry for spoiling the entire movie, but not sorry because, I mean, even if we told you everything about it, it would still be... It's not, it's not good enough. You gotta it's do not it. the same as the experience. Okay, so none of okay. these are none of these that I'm gonna hand you now. It's just a little treat I found, a little treasure trove I wanted to give to you. Okay, to have I have one picked out for you for next week. Okay, so, so we're about to go into our picks for next week. But let but me Gavin give, is giving give you me these, some yeah. some other stuff in advance. I'm gonna give you this this Blu-ray copy of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Well, I mean, I already watched it. I know, but yeah, you can. I, mean, have I gotta it. go back, dude. And I'm gonna give you this Blu-ray copy of Mortal Kombat Legacy. Okay, now Legacy, I might watch maybe. Get this Blu-ray copy of Office Space. I got, I got, I got a copy of Office. Okay, Space. good. You can keep Annihilation. Too. Okay. I'm not gonna watch it again. And then I'm gonna give you my DVD copy of Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. Now that I will watch again. <laughs> I figured you would appreciate that. Good movie. All Good right. Movie. So what are you? What are you gonna give me? Is what? What's next? What's next for me to watch? Well, we're gonna do something in the vein of the first two that I picked. Right. Night moves I only saw for the first time a few days prior to recording that episode. Right. Same thing with The Great Silence. Right. As of right now, I have not seen this movie. So this may be a horrible decision. But I think what I want to go with, I believe it's 1980 or 81. It's available on Prime for everybody. Free. It's called Cutter's Way. Are you familiar with Cutter's Way? I feel like I just saw it, like, scrolling through stuff the other day. I'm just going to give you a brief rundown, because this is about as much as I know about it. 1981, okay? Directed by Ivan Passar, um, who I don't know if anybody would really know him for anything in particular. Here's the main reason. It stars Jeff Bridges Uh and the late, great John Hurd. Oh, shit. When John Hurd passed away, I was like, dude, I always loved him as the dad, like, in Home Alone. I love him in Chud. He's in uh, fucking Cat People, the Paul Schrader movie. You're also forgetting my fellow Americans. Again, tons of great stuff over yes. the years. He was in The Tale with Laura Dern on HBO. Very complicated role, but he was great in it. Like He's always great. Like I've always enjoyed him. But I was curious, what's the role? Like, Did he ever have his breakout moment? Or like the one that most people would point to? Mm-hmm. And when he unfortunately passed away... Recent. Was that last year or was that early this year? I think it was last year. But when he passed away, the movie that I kept hearing bandied about was Cutter's Way. Hmm. I was like, dude, right on the cusp of like the end of the new Hollywood era, and I had heard this one references like it's basically a late seventies movie that happened to come out in eighty one. Um, basic plot: Alex Cutter, that's John Hurd, is a Vietnam vet. Who lost his eye, his arm, etc. And his best bud is Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges sees some people dumping a body. Randomly one night. And enlists his friend Alex Cutter. To help him figure out what's going on. That is all I know about this movie. Hmm. It's a mystery thriller. Crime element here. But the, the main reason I decided to go with it after this. It seems like it's another really good. Non-traditional buddy movie. Right. In the same way that To Live and Die in L.A. is. Where it's like, there's not a lot of great banter back and forth between these guys. But just, you get, by the end of it, you're just like, dude, I fucking loved these guys doing right. this job together. And, like, I love that Pankow sees it through after it's all done. Like, you feel the camaraderie, even though it's not shoved down your throat with a bunch of, like, kitschy catchphrases and shit like that. 
And the dialogue's fantastic in that movie, but there's not a lot of, like, interpersonal stuff between the two of them. They're not talking about, like, their childhoods or anything like that. Exactly. There's no forced narrative of that. Right. Which I really, like, liked. So, I figured in keeping with, like, the we always kind of try and branch off in some way from the previous thing we did, I'm going to go with Cutter's Way. Also, because my next pick, I was going to watch it this weekend. I didn't get to it yet, so I can't recommend it to you because i got to give you the DVD because it's not available anywhere. So, that'll be my... Let me yeah. tell you, not this next episode, but the next one, we got another one where I'm like, Gavin's never seen this and he's going to shit his pants over how oh, good God, it is. Oh, now I can't wait. Hopefully I don't fuck it up and watch it in between. There's no way you can. You can't rent it right now. I've got one of those I got to get for you, you too. You can't rent it on Prime, but okay. So. So you watched. So I choose Cutter's Way from 1981, readily available for free on Amazon Prime. Okay, I'll everyone. catch that soon. So you watched Ronin the other night, right? That I did. All right. So I decided that maybe you just need a little bit more of this guy in your life. Oh, okay. Okay. I feel like you maybe watched no, it a long a time fun... ago. Yes. This is one I saw maybe like, like at age 11 or 12. I feel like I, you saw it right after I bought that DVD. Yes. But I remember it being really funny. He, I think he's in the dub. I think it's originally French, we, but he... Excuse me. We haven't said this out loud yet. Oh, sorry. The movie we're going to be doing is Wasabi. Yes. Starring Mr. Jean Renault. Uh, produced... I don't have to talk about him too much. Produced by Luc Besson, um, but directed by Gerard Kraut... I can't pronounce the last name. Not even Depardieu. Okay. We'll just say that. Just Depardieu. It's <laughs> okay. fine. Um, and it's described as the perfect cocktail of blistering action with a hilarious twist. Yeah. So... I, I literally, yeah, I would never have thought of Wasabi, but this this is like, this is the equivalent of an excessive force for, for one of our favorite boys, who yes. we've always loved, and it's a standalone. Little, I mean, little, I, little... I know at the same time, Jean Reno's a huge star in France. He's oh, done dude. a bazillion movies. Yeah, did like, you ever watch 22 but... Bullets with him? No. It's like he's an aging, he's an aging mobster, and he's got like one last thing to do, and they're like going after his extended family, and he's like got to be the badass again. Mm-hmm. Even in the dub with him speaking English, it's amazing. Like it was on, I think it's twenty two minutes or twenty two bullets was the name of it. Right. But again, with this uh, one I'm too, just doing a quick check real quick. Let's see if Wasabi is available for anybody. I don't know if it is. I it's one of those random ones. I don't even know how okay, I found now, out about it. Wasabi not readily available to stream anywhere from what I am seeing. This may be if it is available on YouTube or something, I'll try and provide a link in the episode description. But this might be just a fun, like, hey, you're just going to have to listen to us talk about something you weren't able to watch. If anything, you can search it and, like, order it. It's probably not expensive. I don't even know. I really hope that DVD still plays. I didn't even check it out. Oh, great tagline, too. Excuse me. What? Wasabi. For those who take their action raw. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, dude. Love it. I'm actually really excited to watch this. Yeah. It's a TriStar release. It mm. is. I had to do something after making you watch uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. All right. Well, hopefully this is... I mean, again, again I didn't have a terrible time yeah, watching but, it. But, but you also didn't did, seem really amped But I did struggle it. the whole time I was yeah. watching it with just like, what am I going to say? I got to talk about this. Yeah. What am I going to say about it? So, yes. Okay. So, next week's 2x2 two two Retro Review, Cutter's Way from 1981 and Wasabi from 2001. Right. Plus, I figured I'm not going to do anything 2010 or better anymore. It's too recent. I feel like the mid 2000s is okay. I think I think 2010 is a fair cutoff. I think any you know. I mean, you have a handful of hundred years before that. Yes. So, but no, I think after Million Ways Die in the West, nothing. 
Now, I will say this. Nothing if I find my copy of Lockout, it's going to happen, we, and that's past 2010. We can make exceptions here That's just here because there. it's been something that's been, like, on the horizon. We can also put a caveat in that, like, if it's from the last... <laughs> If it's from the last decade, it has to be like a uh, 50% or less on Rotten Tomatoes. Something like like it has to be not a lot of people saw it or it's not right. well regarded or something. Right. Yeah. Or it could be something if we did miss something from the last 10 years, we just collectively both did or For sure. You but know. I'm I'm trying to keep I'm trying to kind of cycle between the decades where I hit you with a mostly 70s 80s and 90s but occasionally we'll dip back into the 60s but that's kind of yeah. where i'm and if you to want to keep it there that's house. fine i can you do I can keep you it want. 90s to 2000s and if i think there's something from the 2010s that you didn't see i'll gladly recommend it but i'm pretty sure most of my viewing experience from the last 10 years has been heavily influenced by like oh dude i solved this did you see this no I'm and st- then going and watching it myself and being like oh that was great oh yeah i, just, I saw that i'm still waiting for it's on netflix now I'm still waiting for you to force me to watch Den of Thieves, babe. When's it going to happen? Listen, Den of Thieves. Listen, I took the initiative, okay? I watched Bottle Rocket, all right? I took, okay. okay. Hey, 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 Point right. taken. Just, okay. Just, Maybe I'll watch Extraction. <laughs> if you're going to watch anything, you should watch Den of Thieves. <laughs> Extraction is, is actually visually pretty good. Den of Thieves, uh, listen. T to B. It is. Great. Listen. You know I'll ride or die for Den of Thieves. But I could also be a serious film critic about it and be like, this movie's complete shit. It doesn't work on any level. But I fucking love that movie <laughs> because it makes fucking, like, bank robberies fucking sexy, dude. Like, I work in banking <laughs> now, you know? Why do you think I was so amped for Heat whenever we did that for Michael Mann? Because it's one of the ten best, best movies ever made. No, best movies yes, ever made. that, but, like, fucking... It's like it's like the friends joke of like, oh, you go on vacation, what do you do? You watch car chases. Mm-hmm. You know? You got nothing to do, you're bored, what do you fucking put on a heist movie? You can never go wrong with a heist movie. Tell me a completely shit, not worth it, heist movie. They turn the Fast and the Furious into <laughs> heist movies, okay? Because they're that good. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I took the initial bottle rocket. If you want to take the initial den of thieves, don't tell me you do it. Surprise me, okay? You notice I didn't email you, I didn't text you, I didn't call you. No. Hey, I watched bottle rocket. I don't do it on my own because why? Because I watch Wes. That's I, I watched Wes. That's <laughs> I'm, we're gonna make that a recurring okay. segment every now and then. I may not have one for you next week. Week after that, I may have one or two. Who knows? All right. It's just trying to do it without you knowing. That's the problem because most of these I'd have to rent. You'd be like, who the fuck rented Rush? Oh, Gavin. You know. But I did see that Scratch and Spin was still open during this quarantine, so I may just run in there next paycheck and be like, let me get Rushmore, let me get Rural Tenenbaums, <laughs> let me get this, let me get that. Yeah. Just get them all on my own. Just do it without you knowing. That's the key here for that. All right. So, this was the long one. Thank you for bearing with us if everybody made it this far. Yes. If you skip to part two and just listen to Live and Die in L.A. We're not going to be mad at you. Can't That's blame fine. you. Really can't blame you. Um. Anyways, until next time, where we'll be back with another 2 by 2 retro review again. Discussing Cutter's Way and Wasabi. Go watch those movies. Go watch To Live and Die in L.A. And if you're, you know, if you're really hard up, you can check out A Million Ways to Die in the West. Or if you're a if you're a McFarhead and you want to talk about, if you're a fan, it. maybe Gavin can send you a DVD because yeah. I definitely won't be using it anytime soon. Yeah, it's but downstairs. I'll okay, grab it for I you. figured you would have it ready for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just remember, Cutter's Way is on Prime. Gotcha. Prime. Don't forget to watch it. Okay. Until next time, I have been Noah. And I've been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. Until next time, stay safe, stay smart, and stay tuned. There it is! It's beautiful! Take-
Take your hat off, boy. That's a dollar bill. Why? I can hardly wait. 